As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Right, on the back of our Lee Davies podcast, a prison guard who turned bad, ended up smuggling drugs in for the gang. His starting salary was 18K. He was getting paid 500 pounds per package. He could bring in three packages a day. This is the temptation of the black market profits in the war on drugs. It corrupts members of every profession it comes into contact with. Anyway, the Lee Davies one did really well. So we've been striving to get on another former prison guard who's never told his story before. We've got Scott here today, and um, Jen is here as well. Boomer and Jen. Huge, Buy some clothing. Huge, huge, <laughs> thank you. huge thank you to everyone who's clicked on her link since she's been co-hosting. Her Instagram following is up 400% in a matter of months. How do you know that information? <laughs> if you want to put my Instagram numbers up 400%, I'll, I'll take it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll take it as well. I'll take Your, free photos. All links will be in the description Yeah, no, that's, that's fine by me. That's Your social me. media uh, person snitched you out to me. Did she? Yeah. All right, fair. Fair. All right, so before we get into Scott's life story as to how he became a guard and etc., he actually was a guard who came across, let's just say, I'm not going to say his full name, mm. but he was the biggest of the G brothers who's still in prison. And many of the stories about this person kind of describe him as a maniac and doing all these crazy things, fighting guards, etc. But Scott's difference uh, has got a very different experience. And I want to start this out because it shows how much this person has reformed so what, what year was it? What prison was it when you met the biggest of the G brothers? Um, so it was in the category C I worked in, which is in Norfolk. Um, I met him in, when I, when I met him, it was very sort of brief. Um, so there was two sides to the prison. There was an older side, newer side. When I started, I worked on the newer side. Um, he was on the older side and you'd hear stories about him like, like he's, he's crazy. I got told my first day, I got told, look up the video of him like fighting off 10 prison officers or whatnot. I looked it up. I couldn't find it, but I, try, I tried to find it because I thought, well, yeah, I need to see yeah. this. Uh, so, yeah, I tried to find Neil it. Neil Sandworth video if you want to check that out. Yeah, I, I, try, I tried to find it. Uh, you hear stories about him, but never really obviously come across it because I sort of worked on a different side and they're sort of like separated. So, yeah, never really come across him. Um, he got transferred out to a different prison. Um, I think it was like sort of like, a therapeutic sort of prison uh, he ended up coming back during covid and because i worked on the covid wing where they had to isolate he was on my wing for two weeks just until they could sort of figure out where to put him and uh what did what he look to like do with him? Mm. big <laughs> 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 yeah 
big, big bloke. Yeah. How uh, tall? About if I had to guess from memory, about six three. Wow. Six three. Yeah, but he's like. His height isn't really what sort of you catch. It's like his arms. Bulky. His legs. He's just a huge, huge bloke. Yeah. Unit. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. That's a, put it this way. I, would have, I wouldn't want to restrain him, but I've, I think he'd fold me up like a pretzel. <laughs> 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 I'm, I'm very open. I'm not exactly like a, a rough and tough sort of guy. I don't think I'd last very long in a ring. So you were put rather intimidated by him. He's, he's, I wouldn't say so because... He's, you hear the stories, but to me, everyone's different. Uh, like he, even like the people sort of hate prison officers. That doesn't mean they're going to hate hate me. Do you know what I mean? So talk to him like he's a human being, sort of thing. And I think he likes that sort of people who are honest with him. But I think the the thing he has a problem with is officers that sort of feed him sort of lies and things that aren't necessarily true or positive for him. But I think sort of in the time, very short time, he was on our wing. He's managed quite well, yeah. So versus the stories you heard of him then, you found that his behaviour had changed a lot, did you? Well, for me, obviously only having met him briefly, I can only say what I know. But to me, he doesn't seem like the same sort of person that he was in these in these stories anymore he does he does seem like he wants to be out of prison i just don't think he necessarily knows the right sort of path to go down and the right way to to do it sort of thing does he have a job in prison oh not at the time he didn't i remember though he was uh, a cleaner on on the wing I, I think his his old wing before he got transferred out i think he was cleaning for a while i don't know whether that's true now i mean I, i've been out of the prison service for about eight months and I haven't been in that prison for sort of a year and a half. So yeah, God knows what he's doing now, but <laughs> at, at the time it seemed sort of like on the, on the right track sort of thing. So there we go. The other side of the story on the biggest of the G brothers sounds like he's getting his head down and he's on the right path to try and get out versus the things that we heard, you know, that happened from other people we've had on the podcast. So it's good to get, a balanced viewpoint on these things and we wish him well and we hope he is able to get out at some point and um all right so let, let's go back to your, um, your younger yeah. days your younger days then. yeah what, what was your life like before the prison um boring what? <laughs> I, I worked in uh, i worked in it so i came straight out of school um worked in it because it's you know it's not sort of what you know is who you know so i got a job from someone i knew in it uh, was completely winging it. Didn't really know what I was doing. But, what sort of IT job? Um, so I fixed. I worked in a hospital and I was fixing like the handheld like medical scanner sort of things. Right. And it was fairly easy. It's just an iPhone inside like a like sort of case that scans. And I know how to use an iPhone. So how hard can it really be? Most of the time you just get a call from like a confused nurse who's like, oh, it's telling me to download this. I don't really know what to do. And then you just go and do an update and then you're like, yeah, and they think you're magic. But yeah, I, I didn't know what I was doing. Um, and basically my brother applied to be a prison officer and he just said, you should do it as well. Um, so that's what I did. What year was that? 2019 early 2019 i think it was january 2019 and how old are you 19 um 2019 yeah 90 about to turn 20 yeah oh, wicked yeah so what about your physicality then you look like you play rugby or do weights or something 
I haven't I haven't exercised since August last year. Yeah. What? But my family are naturally quite bigger, um, stuff like that. I'm the smallest of all of my family. Oh wow! Yeah, so yeah, my my little brother who is uh, he's 17 years old. He looks more like a prison officer than Grief. I ever did. He's How many brothers have you got? Four. Four. Four, four brothers, one yeah. sister. Uh, my little brother, he's about just a little bit taller than me now. We mm. we argue about it a lot, but it's 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 up for debate. But he's uh, he's a he's a big boy, yeah. And it looks like a lot of work has gone into those tattoos. tattoos yeah. I, I love my tattoos. <laughs> I love it. if I could afford if I could afford more, I'd be covered from head to toe. I think. What do they mean? Um, so this one, that's the time I was born. Um, on there. The rose is my mum's from Yorkshire, so I wanted to, <laughs> the Yorkshire rose. So yeah, so that's that's what I say, but it's just a rose. Um, that one is just cool. It's, it's just cool. Medusa. Yeah. Um, I can notice like the Colosseum. I want to say that. Yeah, Colosseum. Yeah. That one was painful. Uh, took that. That was probably the most painful one I've got because so much detail. So goes is that into a gladiator that. or a guard? Yeah, or that's a gladiator, gladiator. Yeah, yeah. I wanted like a sort of like Roman, Roman theme. gladiator yeah. sort yeah. of thing. Going into the Colosseum. Have you been to Rome? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm literally, I've really, I've only got two tattoos that actually mean something. That is time I was born. Uh, the Robin is like a family thing, sort of thing. Like my mum has this like belief that she believes like Robins are like previously dead loved ones or whatever. So I thought, oh, yeah. Yeah. Birds outside yeah she, well, she stuff. found, she. that's how she finds comfort in her grieving. So she I sees suppose. a Robin out. In the garden. Outside, and yeah. she thinks it's like a family member visiting or something. Yeah. I mean, in my eyes, no, it's a robin, but you know what I mean? Like, she finds <laughs> comfort from it. So, yeah. Well, I'm glad you answered all this because, yeah. like, people who've got like outstanding tattoos in the comments, then they're like, what do the tattoos mean? What do the tattoos mean? But at least yeah. you addressed this early on. Well, what about that side then? This actually does have a bit of a meaning. So, I'm a big fan of like rap music. Um, so, I love XXS Tentacion. Who? I don't know if you've heard of yeah, him. No. He's like, he got shot when he was 20 in America. Yeah. Um, he's like a, he was a big rapper still now. Everyone listens to his music. Like he's probably one of the biggest rappers in the world, even after he's dead. He has a song called Heart Eater. Right. Heart in the mouth. I went to my tattoo artist. I often go to him with a rough idea. I'm just like, draw me something. I said, I want something sort of like loosely based around like Heart Eater. He said, what about a skull eating a heart? I said, Cool. Mm. So that is that is that, and yeah, pretty cool. Yeah. So what do you think of Takashi? Oh my god, he's a, <laughs> he's a character. He's crazy. He's crazy. I don't like his music. Yeah. I think it's sort of just like screaming, yeah. screaming into the mic and hoping for the best. Yeah, <laughs> not a big fan. But so go, it's going into the prison service. Then, did they, like, did they say anything about tattoos? Is that acceptable? Prison is service is quite inclusive. There was officers is with it? face tattoos. Was that really? Tattoos, yeah, Mike Tyson, the yeah. guy with a fish. On his face. A fish on his face? What does that mean? Because you know, like a teardrop means you murdered someone. Yeah. Gang fish. members. Guess he and... likes fishing. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. No idea. No idea. I didn't really ask. I didn't really talk yeah, to him too much. That yeah, he's very, uh, yeah. yeah. Pick and choose who I talk to sort of thing. Yeah. Didn't really seem like my kind of bloke. So, uh, yeah. Perhaps his favourite prisoner was Crazy Mr. Fish. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, all right. You're, you're, you um, apply and then what happens? Um, so we both got an email on the same day, literally two days you later. You and your bro. Yeah, saying uh, we're inviting you for further tests. And um, we went down to a, like a test center in like... I think it was what like is the test like? Lincolnshire. 
well it was quite easy to be honest like they sort of I, I i don't know really like probably hard for some people but for me i i have this running joke with my girlfriend that i could i could be an actor i, I just say to her i just say if you're not if you don't get embarrassed easily then you can be an actor Do you know what i mean anyone can be an actor it's all about you just getting embarrassed sort of thing like so we went there and they put you in scenarios and they say like oh this is a prisoner and he's like kicking off so it's just acting so it's just like you're playing the role of a prison officer calm him down sort of thing so i spoke to him and he said like he threw a lasagna at someone or something like that <laughs> right. he's like in the food hall or something like that. he's like yeah <laughs> threw a lasagna at someone because he said something about my mum and i was like <laughs> Okay, like, try not to laugh. Like, what, <laughs> what is going on? How do you um, calm people down in those situations? Well, he was just an actor, so I think he's just sort of looking for the right things to say. So I'd basically... Don't chuck lasagna. Yeah, just, waff, just waff, <laughs> waffled with my words until he took something in. I was just like, yeah, just calm down, mate. Don't do it again, whatever. And then there was one about self-harm where you just got to be really, like, soothing and sort of, like, nice to the person basically just play up to him talk me through it let's do a bit of acting well so she well so she was in there and she had like sort of fake blood on her arm right um and she said she'd self-harm because she'd lost contact with a family member or something like that so i made up some waffle about how the chaplaincy can contact her family and it actually turned out to be the right thing and they actually can do that. So uh, <laughs> apparently that was right and it was like a miracle that I knew it. So I was like, okay, I, I didn't know that at all, but whatever. So I just said, yeah, calm down, it'll be fine. The chaplaincy can sort of contact your family and like see if you can get back in contact with your son. I think it was a son or something like that. Yeah. And then you just get an interview with a person, just talks to you for five minutes, just sort of gauges the kind of person you are and i can talk to anyone really so i just chat, just chat yeah i was just, <laughs> I was just, I was just chatting basically yeah uh, and then there's a fitness test um which are unless you're really unfit you're gonna pass the fitness test it's like basically have you ever heard of the bleep test yeah where you run back and forth yeah. yeah so you're basically just over walking by the time the test finishes and they say you're done you sort yeah. of like a very slow paced jog and then they say you're done yeah perfect so you don't have to be an athlete yeah and there's one you just gotta like it's a strength test or something like your grip strength and that was it because years ago they all used to be like ex-military guys didn't they and it was really yeah there's still some left over yeah and they don't really uh don't really like the new younger style of officer I think very early days in the prison service, I did get a bit of judgment. So there's probably. a divide between guards? I wouldn't say massively. Mo like, it's a very close job. So they pick up the type of person you are very quickly. Yeah. So they're not sure of you at first. After a couple of weeks, they'll, they'll know what you're about. And they'll either stay away from you or you become sort of one of them, I guess. And what were you? Sort of... I don't really know how to describe what type of prison officer I was. To be honest, I guess you'd have to ask ask another prison officer. I think I was quite I was quite fair fair to everyone. Um, I wouldn't take take shit um, because being very young, you can get picked on quite easy by by the prisoners. You can get asked for stuff. You just got to say no. Fuck off. Take us through your first day on the job. So, I uh, what do you want my first day before training or after training? Both. Stop. Yeah. First day before training, you go in, you meet this older sort of officer. They pick like a senior or someone who's been there sort of 20, 30 years. They get like the group of you. There was for me there was three of us. On my training there was about 12, but on this day there was three. 
Um, so literally the three of us were just paraded around the prison, walked us on a wing, which was like literally like the ghetto. And uh, <laughs> they walked us on there and they're like, oh, new blood, new blood. Fresh they're, meat. They're all well, they're shaking, yeah, the they're shaking stuff, the gates yeah. and stuff. They're like, new blood, new Ooh. blood, you're going to die here and stuff like that. They're, <laughs> they're all joking. I'm shitting myself. I'm, I'm 19 years old. Well, at this point, I was actually 20. By the time I'd gotten in, gone through the vetting process and stuff, I was 20. Bleep but, test. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but tw 20 years old, I was shitting myself. I was shaking the gates going, you're going to die here and stuff. And I was, uh, I was like, yeah. So it was like an A class, you say, so like VP. Um, no, so A, A wing was like, it was a mixed bag, but there was more prisoners on there. So it fit about 120 prisoners on there. And uh, because it was a category C prison, you only get four members of staff to control 120 prisoners which is impossible it's, wow. it really is that is like i take my hat off to anyone that does it I, I i don't do it anymore and i'm so glad i'm out of that now i don't understand how they do it day to day it's, it's crazy what, what do the prisoners were like in america it's all like you out you know orange, orange or black and white black. And in yeah. in the category c they're allowed to wear anything except black anything so, black so they don't imitate can't, can't wear black because the jacket you wear as an officer is black and the trousers are black. Mm. So yeah, they can't. So what are the clothes of choice for the contemporary prisoner? Usually uh, <laughs> fashion. Fa fashion, fashion. I don't understand. <laughs> like, is it? Yeah, it's like full full Nike tracksuits. Like when I was like when I was like fifteen, I probably pulled one of them off. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like a full full Nike tracksuit or like Adidas, something like that. Yeah. Would you wear a free piece? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> some of the older yeah. guys were more conservative with what they wore let's say but some of them even then would wear like tracksuits and stuff to try and sort of like fit in very yeah. very young population at the uh the first prison i was at so because if you get in a fight you don't want to be in a free piece no yeah no, <laughs> you want to no. be in a track yeah 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 they, they yeah. Track but they'd wear sliders so they would wear like, um, they all walk around in sliders. Socks and sliders. Yeah, so they, they weren't allowed to wear them in the servery, which is like where they get their food and stuff. 120 prisoners, if every single one of them decides to wear their sliders, you ain't going to tell what every sliders? single one. It's, so, you, know this, you know what sliders are? They're I'll like show you. Adidas, no. like, uh, or Nike. Right. They're like, um, they're like a flip-flop. With flip like a, a flip flops, but with like a yeah. band instead of like a thing at the oh, end. Oh, okay. So we had these in Orange where we were housed in Arizona, and we called these deck shoes. Yeah, so deck shoes. Yeah, that's yeah. What they wore. But they're sliders. You wear them with socks. Flip flops. Sli flip -flops. Sliders here in uh, in the UK. Yeah. yeah. If you crops. called them flip flops, if a, so an older officer would always call them flip flops, and then the prisoner would be quick to say they're not flip flops. They're, they're sliders. sliders. Yeah, yeah. They're sliders. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah. So what do you constantly call them deck shoes. Deck shoes. Oh, were they the blue ones that the diabetics had? <laughs> so we the standard issue was those orange ones. Yeah. yeah. But the diabetics had like. A blue cloth. You just put your foot in it, like a blue cloth oh shoe. Oh, my God. Do you know what I mean? Like, what are they called? Is that what a deck shoe is? Maybe. Um, uh, that sounds like slippers to me. So if yeah. you're going to have a fight, you would try and bribe a diabetic to give you the, the deck shoes. Yeah. Why? Because you didn't want to fight in your foot. Were they like Crocs? Or were they like Crocs? Did they have like a band at the back sort of thing? No, they were just blue cloth. <laughs> you put your foot in them, no laces, and then white rim. Oh, have they got like um like a little tightening sort of like elasticated thing 
at the top which makes them tight so you just slip them on they're like slip on shoes just rather put than them laces on. there's or, nothing yeah yeah yeah, yeah i know yeah, what you mean yeah, they're yeah, like yeah. blue with like a sort of a black sole they 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 are standard issue in uk prisons as well but are it's like they? getting wow. hold of them is yeah. like getting hold of anything like prison kit is crazy yeah yeah good luck really so, yeah yeah <laughs> you go you go to the stores and you'd pick up like an order you go back to the wing and everyone you walk on the wing everyone sees you've got new stuff and they all want it straight away. Mm. And you, how can how can you like how can you say no to everyone? Sort of thing. Someone says I haven't got a towel. Well, in my eyes, they haven't got a towel. Then, do you know what I mean? I'm not. I can't be asked to walk to his cell and check if he's got a towel or not. And then another prisoner comes up to me. Oh, I want a towel now. He's got a towel. Mm. So the the kit just goes so quick. It's sort yeah. of a free for all, to be honest. You got if you're gonna manage the kit really well, you've got you've you've got to keep it under wraps. We used to on the second wing that I was on we would like there was like an attic on the side of the wing and we would like take it to the side of the wing take it straight up to the attic so none of them see us like bringing it on otherwise it's gone straight away wow. yeah oh yeah i just remember what they were called now those, those shower sandals that's what they're called. shower sandals yeah oh, god yeah. all the names yeah <laughs> yeah america yeah because no. if you go in the shower without um the shower sandals you get foot rot from really? what like mold people's feet were like rotting off from the shower yeah <sighs> I haven't yeah. seen conditions what, like, like that. Verrucas. Not Verrucas. It was called a foot rot. You know, in some <laughs> in some UK prisons, in my first one, they had an ensuite. What? Holy shit. Yeah. Uh, I honestly, the first time I saw one of the cells, I thought oh, I could stay here. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 it's a bed. Some of them would make it proper nice. They'd put their own carpets down and stuff, and yeah, curtains, everything. Because sometimes you can get that independent on the security. And uh, yeah, some of them would make it really nice. Wow. You're like the standard. You walk in, there's two beds. Mm. Some of them would like double up their mattresses, which they're not allowed to do, but they'd always somehow get a hold of one. Um, you got a TV in the corner, radio if you want one, Xbox. What prison was this? En suite. This was. Uh, it's a. I, I'm. I don't really want to say the name of the prison because I, I sort of like. Well, sort of, it might. I don't know. What but, um, what category was it? It was a category C in okay. Norfolk, so it's quite easy to sort of see where it was but yeah it's so yeah. what's the lowest category d d so category That's d like is open, open prison. prisons you yeah. walk you walk in and out sort of thing so in c they can easily get a lot of stuff into the yeah, cell yeah 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 pretty much it's just like they get it sent in it goes through reception mm. they will x-ray it or whatever it goes off to them mm. it's quite easy to get stuff in so what else happened on your first days so other than being paraded around like sort of zoo animals um we pretty much just sort of like get to know the job get to know walk around the officers um every officer you meet all the older ones would say i'm not going to learn your name so you'd walk up to him you say hello i'm scott nice to meet you and they'd say don't tell me your name come back to me and tell me your name in a year mm. yeah but then once you get to know him after a couple months then you then you start to talk to him but a lot of people are very dismissive of you when you first start especially me that the three of us one guy was in his early 30s. Um, the other two of us, same age, both 20. So, yeah. Was your brother in there with you? No. So he, he actually, a funny story, um, he actually didn't get in. So there's a, there's, in. there's a running joke. He's literally like, he's 10 years older than me. Um, he's got like more tattoos than me. Built like very much like a, a handy bloke um just basically looks like a bigger sort of better version of me and uh yeah and um the running joke is that the paperwork got mixed up basically 
<laughs> I, ended up, I ended up getting his job pretty much so yeah yeah because yeah, yeah. he's like tornado squad material isn't he oh he's a, yeah easily easily could be yeah he's a he's a big boy what did he do not pass the beat test no he, he so he, he passed it all and then they just contacted me and not him and they just left him left him out and just yeah didn't contact him. Oh, big mistake there. Well, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. He, he'd, he'd be a good officer, probably a better officer than me because he's just, you know, he's me, but older, basically. <laughs> so, yeah. So you had to shadow other officers. Yeah. So, and in a prison, category C prisons especially, it's a really high turnover of staff. So um, that's after training. So you go through the it's 10 weeks training, you come back, you're shadowing for two weeks and in two weeks, you've got to learn every single job in the prison. What are all the jobs? Mm. So you've got like, you've got in, you've got like a, a runner sort of thing who will do like exercise and stuff like that. It's sort of like a spare body. Uh, and then you've got your wing workers, um, which just your standard officers on the wings. Some people will have to do like healthcare and stuff like that. Um, it's mind bending. Having to learn all of it is really. What's yeah. the best job to have? Just an easy wing. An easy wing. My first three months were spent on an easy wing. And honestly, it was just, it was pretty much just a laugh. It was just, it was fun. We just did whatever because it was an enhanced wing. So prisoners had their own door keys and stuff like that. They just oh, really? walk on and we just sort of sat there and just chatted most of the day. Yeah. What sort of fun things uh, would happen? Well, just, you know, you, you got you got eight hours, <laughs> like just you and a mate sort of thing. <laughs> like you just get up to like whatever. Yeah. And the, the prisoners will just all play pool, go play pool with the prisoners when they're on their association and stuff. Even on this wing, they had access to a dartboard. So you give them prisoners what? darts, yeah. They'd just be playing darts throughout the day. <laughs> That's trusting. You'd walk past and you'd just hear like, whew, like past you. <laughs> 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 yeah. Like they don't stop. Like you'd be nearby and they'll just be pelting them at the board and they're not exactly like Michael Van Gerwen. <laughs> yeah, some of them, like around the dartboard, you've got like holes all around the wall and stuff. Like, yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I didn't see any of them, any of them get 180 for that way. But they can get quite good at stuff like that. When Like, I've never beat a prisoner at pool. Really? I've probably played, well, I've probably only played about four or five times against a prisoner. Sean's really handy with it. Oh yeah. So sometimes I, I'd walk up, I'd say like, oh, let me have a game some of them be like fuck off <laughs> some of them be like yeah come on in gov like you think think you're good at pool and i'd always talk it up as well i'd say i'm really good i'm terrible i've got no like, yeah yeah pretty <laughs> much. just batter it like I'd, I'd do like a chip shot or whatever like ruin the felt on the table or whatnot but yeah uh so the first three months yeah enhanced wing easy ride i'd say i was lucky to be put in that position because usually the new officers they just chuck them straight on straight on the older wings and that's why the turnover is so high i think because they just chuck them straight in and it's true what they say they say well that sort of makes or breaks an officer and then you can see whether they're going to be a good officer or not but mm. at the same time you do want to retain staff you don't want to just be chucking them straight in at the deep end and having them pulling their hair out and leaving after like a couple of weeks mm. and some people that come back from training they go on the wing on their first day and they would just leave and never come back yeah i think the turnover within a year I've, it's not an official figure around about 50% I'd say from experience wow. yeah I had a class of 12 on my training there's three people still in the job I think three people wow. and I don't still talk to all of them so some of them could have left so. So you said one of the jobs was uh, exercises yeah what does that entail 
just watched them, watched them, uh, watched them walking around the yard. Is and that they all, all they've got? They've got yeah, yeah and, they, and they all walk the same way round um, because the old rumor is this is I didn't actually learn this until I got to my second prison. There's an old rumor that VPs, so vulnerable prisoners, sex mm. offenders, will walk around the opposite way. <laughs> so they all walk around. I think anti-clockwise. Forgive me, that's not correct. I think they walk around anti-clockwise, not clockwise. If you walk around clockwise, you're a VP. And they all start calling you a nonce. Yeah, even even like, but they would joke out their window like after exercise when you're walking around the yard like checking it. They'd they'd like if you're walking around the wrong way, they'd shout out their window, "You nonce!" Like, <laughs> so if someone's new, and yeah, they're in there first, and they start going clockwise. Yeah, so they're, yeah. they're gonna yeah, have a hard so time. It, it, like, say, just some average Joe's committed a crime, like tax evasion or something, <laughs> uh, something like that, goes to prison, walks around clockwise. He's he's fucked he's, yeah. I'll see him straight but I think they all just sort of pick up on it you know you see 20 prisoners walking around in one mm. direction you just sort of follow don't you, you just did you see that in Midnight Express no what's that I have, <laughs> have you seen Midnight is, Express is that a film is that Turkish prison yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, Joe, nice. I'm terrible with films and stuff I, I don't have the attention they're all going losing their minds yeah. and they're all walking around slobbering on each other and like oh, yeah yeah that's what it's <laughs> like that's what it's like when they're all on drugs <laughs> <laughs> following each other dribbling on the floor and <laughs> what yeah. sort of drugs did you see in there spice A spice lot. is like yeah. spice has like ruined uk prisoners it's, it's mainly is spice and then the rest of the drugs you sort of find are like like tablets and stuff stuff that they're allowed that they just sort of hoard what like um so just like they they take like a replacement for like, i'm not sure what it's called they take a replacement for like so the heroin addicts take um, something that keeps them sort of going what's it called sub, sub what's it called subbies i know they it could be that yeah they used to call it yeah. subbies so some of them would like save them up and then they would like take them all at once you're supposed to the healthcare staff would have to watch them take it it's it like melts i think so they have to watch them take it they have to show them their tongue but you know they tired of them yeah, yeah like regurgitate yeah. it or whatever or yeah so yeah god knows what they do but yeah you'd you'd find it and so sometimes you'd find it would be like half like in their in their cell like on the side and be like half dissolved already so where they've put it in their mouth managed to hide it but it's already sort of half dissolved and then they've taken it out and put it there for later so why do they take it all at once then because they're addicts it gives them a better high better buzz yeah yeah and it's currency as well yeah yeah so if if you're if you're an addict and you get in debt or whatever, you can use it as a sort of like a way to get yourself out of it. Ooh, is yeah. debt quite a problem in there then? Massive. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's probably like the main cause of violence. Because one of your stories is to do with debt, but not prison debt. No, no, yeah, my <laughs> my, my, own, my no. own debt. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah, pr prisoners can e quite easily get in debt, but obviously there's no real currency. Mm. Um, so like money at it means a funny story about money in a prison later actually but money means nothing so yeah. you know if you've got 50 quid it doesn't mean anything to the guy you've borrowed Tobacco. off as humans we're naturally driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed when i was looking to hire someone it was so slow and overwhelming I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. If you yeah, or twenty cans of tuna, something like that for like a, for a, yeah, some someone who's hitting gym hard or something like that, give them some mackerel or tuna that you got from your canteen. Wow. Yeah. So as the exercise guard, then did you also have to supervise the gym as well as the walking around? Uh, area? So they've got like walking around area. They've got <laughs> they've got exercise equipment on the sort of field. Um, on the field. So you just sort of you're just watching them sort of walk around. And what like, equipment so. do they have? Yeah. Usually like a pull up bar and like. Uh, like dips dip bar so it's the free weight it's not like yeah, it's, isometric machines yeah it's separate to the actual gym there is a gym mm. um but their gym time the gym officers deal with that so what's what all's in the gym oh it's like a fully kitted out gym. Is it? are they allowed weights and stuff yeah bench press uh like resistance machines stuff like that some of them are huge That's like dangerous so, weapons yeah so some yeah. Of, some of the prisoners you come across are built like r- ridiculously built like I-, I remember coming across this prisoner he was like six foot nine and like his wrists were like he made like the older g brother look small no. yeah he was massive and he yeah. literally like i took one look at him and i thought please just never kick off but <laughs> luckily yeah. he was quite pro star so you didn't really yeah you did, you, did you ever see the g brother doing his workout no no i don't i think uh, I'm not sure. Like, forgive me if I'm if I'm wrong. I don't want to say the wrong thing. I think as he's got older, I think the training regimes maybe uh, maybe slowed down a little bit. Mm. I mean, how old is he? Don't know. Don't know. If, to hazard a guess, uh, I'd say probably late thirties, early forties. Uh, that is just a guess, though, uh, mm. just from his appearance. Yeah. So, did you have any prisons kick off with you? Oh yeah. <laughs> Talk <laughs> so, us through the first time. So basically. Um, before covid yeah. no like r- i was on the enhanced wing so i was lucky didn't really if if you ever encountered that it's because you run into a call elsewhere um but on my wing no everyone was pretty chilled soon as covid hit i went from i had zero restraints and then within a couple of months i was on 10 what's a restraint so when you have to a prisoner's kicking off say mm. two prisoners are fighting you have to separate them and like restrain them so they can't kick off anymore so do they train you like in any like restraint methods martial arts or anything to th- not martial arts you you get told like the the right things to do um and the right ways to do it but when it sort of happens you do it the right way but you don't necessarily follow it step by step as mm. like a step-by-step guy because it's impossible mm. you're just sort of doing what comes natural to you I guess. Luckily, in the part I've done a bit of sort of martial arts in the past, bit of boxing, so I can sort of hold my own. I've never mm. got assaulted, um, but if I was to get assaulted, I mean, half of them would probably just put me on the floor like that. But I mm. mean, yeah, yeah, it really is. But the, yeah, they tell you how to restrain. You try and do it like that as long as they say as long as the force is reasonable, proportionate, and mm. necessary. And most of the time, it's on camera as well like 
body cameras. A lot of officers have got body cameras, yeah. yeah. I I used to find... They definitely have their place, but I used to find... I wouldn't wear one. I would sort of rely on someone else wearing one because as soon as you flick that on, it some of them do see it as quite aggressive and they get backed off. So a lot of them have had really bad dealings with the police and police walk around with big cameras sort of in eye shot sort of thing. Because as soon as you click that on, it's sort of, I guess for a lot of them, it sort of could be PTSD, I guess. Um, but yeah, as soon as you flick that on, a lot of the time it is go time. So Jenna, wow. you, are you up for a restraint demonstration? Yeah, go for it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to attack me, Jen. What, are going to attack you? <laughs> He's going to jump out and restrain you. <laughs> <laughs> I would rather restrain you, Sean. <laughs> I, I, de- I, didn't de- I didn't deal with female prisoners. All right, I'm, you restrain me. I, I mean, I mean sort of... I'll to attack Jen. Jen. So, Who is Jen of, to officially, officially, right. right. Okay. It, at this point, yeah. I would stand back and I I would do nothing. Okay. I would just sort of. We're going at it then. Come on. Hit me I would say. Shoe. I would say stop, stop, stop. Other officers would turn mm, right. up. One on. officer would stop grab. Stealing my tuna. One officer grabs this arm. <laughs> yeah. One officer grabs this arm. Yeah. Behind your back, basically. Okay. One grabs the head. And do you want to if, do it on me? If you're n- definitely no, <laughs> I would rather not. I, th- I think officially, I, I, I don't mean I'm supposed to show you the actual techniques, but to put it bluntly, one officer grabs that. Yeah. Right. One officer grabs that. Yeah. One officer grabs that because then you you can't right, so you move. Grab the back of the neck there. Do, but you've got to protect the head because if he was to fall down, yeah, you've you've got to stop his head from hitting the floor. Right. Okay. Because it's all about the safety of the prisoner. So you grab their hands. Behind their back. It's it's behind their back and then yeah, that way you around. can sort. Of <laughs> <laughs> so we got him. Protect his head. The, there will be an officer there, sort of. There'll be one that side, one that side, one officer on the head. And then you walk into his cell. Right, get but a lot, of, a lot of the time, it, get, it gets quite messy. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, uh, I would love to show you the the official way, but <laughs> I don't think. Yeah, I don't think that's oh, okay. uh, public knowledge. But basically, um, it's it's all about the safety of the prisoner. Every um, every restraint, you have to explain why you were doing what you were doing. Have you seen a restraint time. go bad? Oh. Pretty much every restraint went bad because <laughs> as soon as soon as Not you as soon as you lay hands on a prisoner, it's it's go time really mm. for them. I mean, I I didn't like doing that's probably for me the worst part of the job. I, I didn't like doing it because I'm not a violent person. I do like boxing, etc. I had a boxing match, but for me that's that's sport sort of thing. A lot of people say boxing is art, and I, I'm sort of on that sort of side of the fence as well. To be honest, I'm a massive fan of boxing. But as soon as you lay hands on a prisoner, it's go time for them. It, so it really take us through it. your first restraint then. So a guy was kicking off. It was uh, COVID times, literally had just started, full lockdown, and um, he hadn't got an Xbox. Every, all of his mates had an Xbox. Um, he didn't have an Xbox, but they had to buy them themselves, basically. So if you don't have the money for an Xbox... And aren't they like got £500 one. or something ridiculous? I don't think so. I, I, think, they're, I think they just can have them sent in. So I'm guessing a family member buys it or they buy it from a catalogue or something. I never really looked into it, but I think a family member buys it, they buy it from a catalogue, it gets sent in and then it goes up to the wing. So I think he had an Xbox, but it was being processed. Mm -hmm. Um, And he was sort of sat on the pool table just refusing to move. And then obviously you've got to then move him um i was there absolutely shitting myself i thought oh for god's sake like this is it i knew as soon as he sat down i knew i knew it was it 
And I just thought, I don't really want to do this. Like, but you have to at that point. It's sort of got to a point where everyone knows it's going to happen, including him. He's accepted the fact it's going to happen. So he sat there waiting, went up to him. You give them, um, you say like, go in, go in your cell. Basically, if you don't go in your cell, you'll be like restrained. Um, so I said no. Um, and then you sort of, you try to guide them initially, sort of put them in the right direction. He started struggling and then the next thing I know, I'm sort of on the floor. It was just a, a melee while well, we were all on the floor, in, including him. Rolling so, around. Yeah. Well, it just happens because if someone trips over, then you all trip over because it's, it's just like a tangling of bodies sort of thing. Um, but yeah, it was an interesting uh, restraint to say the least. I do, I, I'm very... Open about the fact, like I even used to say when I was there, I hate restraints. Like mm. I hated that part of training. Some people would say, like, oh, you hate restraints. You're a melt. It's just like, no, I don't want to fight anyone. Like <laughs> particularly, I'm not. I'm not a fighter. I didn't grow up a fighter. The la the last resort for me is like hitting someone or like something like that happening. Um, but yeah, so I just went a bit south um, and basically just ended up. He was fine in the end. Just guided it back into his cell called reception and his xbox was there waiting for him and it had no. been the whole time yeah so an officer afterwards called reception said um like he basically the whole reason it happened is because he wanted his xbox and they said yeah it's been saturday since tuesday or whatever this was about friday yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah so uh yeah he ended up getting his xbox and uh the whole thing was for nothing oh but he wasn't really that kind of prisoner to be honest he never really like caused any issues other than that so I think it was just a one-off with him. Really. So if you're rolling around on the floor, does that end when you, all your backup runs in? Because what I, when I saw it was, like if a prisoner lays hands on a guard, yeah, a, a button's pressed, yeah, and then you just got all these guards come running in from all the other buildings. Yeah. It's locked down, locked down, yeah. locked down, yeah. and then and then the person's just completely surrounding the yeah. Yeah, basically that is what happens. Yeah, okay. you get like a million guards turn up. Well, yeah. of, officers. So uh, a lot of. Uh, a lot of people use the word guard and a lot of prison officers get annoyed about it. I mean, for me, it doesn't really bother me. It's all the same, isn't it? But yeah, uh, a lot of officers turn up um, and then, yeah, the whole wing's locked up. So where do you take the prisoner? Into his cell. Just into his cell? Most not, of the time, unless, like a... unless they're like consistently kicking off and then you might have to put them elsewhere on another wing. But most of them don't want that because they're quite comfortable where they are. Do you have like padded cells they go into? No, not the not really like you know the how you see it on like films where like it's a big foam room. Like not no, not like that. You sort of have a room where it's just a bed and uh, like sometimes a high ceiling and stuff. That's that's about it really. So what was the worst restraint you ever did? <sighs> <laughs> the, that's actually one of the stories later yeah. is it yeah. the toilet brush no 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 the no. toilet brush is, uh, the is quite amusing so um, the worst restraint I ever had was at my second prison category A uh, prison um, basically the guy was known he would grab officers bollocks everything like wow. me I don't want someone grabbing, grabbing my bollocks. bollocks. Yeah, so he'd grab him, twist him, pull him. No. Yeah, whatever. He was well. like a, a, a nasty piece of work or was perceived as a nasty piece of work. And um, basically he was kicking off one day. It would happen So sort of every couple of months. 
it would sort of just be bubbling to the surface and then you'd know when he was about to kick off. Uh, it was That's actually... someone's dick. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Like, like he And he would be very open about the fact he said, like, you try and bend me up, I will grab your bollocks and pull them off sort of thing. Um, yeah. That, that was his thing? It actually, this happened on my second to last day in the job. So uh, I turn up. Uh, I'm already annoyed from something that had previously happened and they said like yeah he's kicking off like you've got to sort of get in kit so uh, got in kit um, but then we sort of had to go in sort of spontaneously because he was kicking off so it didn't really go the way we wanted and he was huge like six foot like three like built like a brick shit house like sort of you could tell in his younger days he lived breathed and ate the gym but now he's a bit older it sort of died down, but he's got to the point now where he's just a very big person. Um, so went in there, couldn't initially get a hold of him, uh, ended up going really messy. He was trying to like headbutt walls and stuff. So we had to stop him from doing that. How many uh, officers were there with you? Well, you're only allowed to restrain with three. Mm. So any more than three and you're not restraining anymore, that's like excessive force so there was three of us um unless they're kicking out with their legs and then you're allowed an officer to sort of hold down their legs um but there was three of us um for him it wasn't exactly like the three officers you'd choose either like one one was massive one was like a bit smaller than me and then there was me I I wouldn't choose myself to go in on him like in no way like he yeah he was just really big um, like shouting, screaming, spitting, anything. Um, like tried. Did he go for it? He tried. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he yeah. tried, but I I knew about that before. I was yeah, he's not going anywhere near. I was wearing, wearing a cup. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. That was, that was my next question. Surely, knowing he's already said what he's going to do, everyone would put a cup on. Well, funnily enough, my boxing match was two days before that, and obviously you wear a cup, a cup yeah. in in boxing, so I should have should have uh, perceived it. Wore my. Uh, cut but i didn't know no. oh. just jump back uncomfortable yeah just sort of like yeah right. sort of just like yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. please don't you, you're, just, you're just praying like you're praying you got like you just sort of trying to do it like everything nice and gently like talk, talking to him like yeah we're gonna do this now please don't grab my nuts like you know yeah like yeah he, but he was like dangerous did he get hold of any I previously yeah no in that experience no 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 <laughs> we were told that was a very tame one for him said we were quite lucky apparently one of the officers on the restraint I don't know if it was me or not I highly doubt it because uh, I had a few sort of experiences with him I think he didn't like the fact that I was young but apparently one of the officers on the restraint he had a bit of a like a good sort of rapport with so he went a bit lighter on us. <laughs> and even still, it was my most messy sort of restraint. But that, well, not it was my most difficult restraint, not my messiest. My messiest was when someone was on spice and they were puking and what? pissing. And, yeah. Let's go through that one. Well, so I get a call. Um, basically, so he was sort of like fitting. Um, so I ran there, got in the cell, and he's like on a different planet. I've never been there in my life. Uh, I personally would not like to go wherever he was either because it didn't seem very fun. Um, and literally just projectile ev from every mm. sort of area you can imagine um, because his body obviously... he. So the reason he did it, he was due to be released um, and he couldn't handle the pressure of it, basically. How long had he done? 
not very long. He petty crimes, but mm. it was he was Bounced always out. yeah always reoffended when he went out, so he couldn't handle the thought that he was going to go out again. I don't think he had like a house or anything to go to. So he's homeless potentially. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Sometimes prisoners would leave and they'd take a tent with them. The, the prison would just provide a tent because some of them would just say, "There's no way I'm going to stay in a home. Just sort of sort me out a tent." So <laughs> give them a tent and they're on their merry way. I don't know if he was one of them. Um, but he sort of, yeah, he was nervous about getting out. So he, I think it was spice to, from my experience, it seemed like spice. His body, obviously he was a bit older, he was in his fifties. So his body just rejected it and it just went completely so sad. Indeed. Pretty much. Yeah. I, I ended up, my trousers were like covered in, like, uh, yeah, his like puke, like piss, everything. Oh, and that was like pretty much at the start of the day. That was in the morning <sighs> and I was on till nine o'clock that night. So did you have to get in close quarters to restrain that one? Like we rolling around with him? Or? That one was more of a protect him sort mm. of thing. So you're not, when someone's fitting, you can't touch him, but you're very much allowed to sort of- Can you be the head? Guide mm. there. So I would possibly, if I could put him in the recovery position mm. and then sort of hover around the head so his head isn't banging against yes. stuff. Mm. That's really all you can do. Eventually he came round anyway. And sort of just like we were all just stood there, like covered in his bodily fluids. And what did he, he say? He just was a bit like, oh, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> like, and then we we're like, well, obviously you're on drugs. And he was like, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. And straight away was just denying the fact that he was on drugs. Well, but yeah, that's how it gets. It's so the spice heads then, do they forget they don't know what they're doing? If it gets too bad, yeah. Mm. If, if like an AOD or like it's have a really bad experience, like, most of them will just it'll be a bit foggy um but some of them just just sort of walk around i suppose it depends how much you do so it just look like a zombie like, mm. like you so just... i've never done anything like that no me neither no. <laughs> I wouldn't... that's it yeah, no, that. uh, absolutely not <laughs> i got honestly from all the drugs i've seen in my life people under the influence of I say that looks the worst to Not me. Not caffeine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> For me, caffeine's enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My my chest will be like pumping if I have <laughs> caffeine, let alone spice. But I did actually have to one day. I had to go to hospital because um, we were in a cell where spice had been consumed, and it did send me all. Sort of. Out. Oh, the fumes. Yes, out of whack. It's that strong. Like oh, it could get you almost like when you're around weed, you can get stoned. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for someone it's someone who's never sort of done anything like that, just being around it is enough. And I just sort of, I went to my manager. I said, oh, I need to go home. Something's wrong with me. What did you feel like? Uh, my chest. It's for me like whenever I feel bad, my chest will start going. That's the first thing. So as soon as that happened, I thought, oh, am I having a panic attack? Like, what's happening here? I've been in the hospital previously. Like for my heart, I didn't really know what was going on. I got out, rang one one one. They said, no, we need to send an ambulance. So I ended up going to hospital, uh, had loads of tests done. They said my first, I had an ECG. Like um, They said the first one came back really funny. Um, and it was sort of like, I don't oh. really know. I'm not in medical terms. <laughs> I don't, but yeah, it was it was really funny. Um, didn't look right. So I had to stay. I had to have like a, like a one for like a couple of hours. And then it died down eventually. Because prisoners are usually savvy about covering up their smoking tracks. Yeah. Do you think they did that on purpose? Um, no, no, mm. I think it was more just they were doing it to get high. Mm. Mm. Um, it was smell, you know, you sort of, you've got to go and try to take whatever's left. So would you recognize that smell now? 
Mm, yeah. What's it like? What? It, I, so a lot of people say it doesn't have a smell, but for me, if that was spice, it definitely does. It's sort of, I don't really know how to describe it. It's quite just pungent. You can sort of smell it from, if if a cell's on the upstairs like balcony and you're sat in the office, you can smell it. It sort of takes over the whole wing sort of thing. Like burning rubber. Yeah, yeah, sort of, yeah, mm. it's, yeah. But I think s- sometimes it might not be the spice, the spice that smells. It might be the the thing they use to burn it. So some people, I think they they have it like as paper. So they just burn the paper and just inhale the fumes. Mm. Um, so I, it could be the smell of burning paper. Could be the smell of anything. It's just sort of burning. Is is the smell? It's, you smell burning in a prison. Something's wrong. Mm. <laughs> Someone, someone's on drugs or a cell's mm. on fire. <laughs> yeah. I mean, have yeah. you ever seen a cell on fire? Not firsthand, but there was uh, like a massive one when I was there. Huge cell fire. Um, where he had like blocked like entry and like they couldn't. The equipment wasn't working to get him out. He ended up in hospital for like a good couple of months. Um, I don't think he'll ever be the same again. The the guy. I think he's like pretty much paralyzed for life now what did he kick off over he he clearly had massive mental health issues um and stuff that had gone undiagnosed from a young age definitely learning difficulties etc it was like with him it was like if he didn't get what he wanted there and then he'll just kick off until he gets it because that's sort of how the prison service works you you kick off nine times out of ten you're gonna get what you want so he sort of like that. Um, so yeah, just set, set his cell on fire. Um, I don't think he intended for it to go the way it did. I don't think he was trying to kill himself, but he did a good job, put it that way. It's not like you can run out the house, is it? If your house is on it fire, was, you're in prison. Was, yeah. exactly. Come on. The, the, the worst thing is, is he blocked his way in. Like he, like no one could get in there. And So he blocked his cell, what, with furniture or something? Yeah, he put all his furniture in front of his door and set it on fire, set the actual furniture on fire. So he had set the... The door, the on fire. entrance to the cell was on fire. So even to get to him after they opened the door was difficult. And for me, like I, I'm so lucky I wasn't there because uh, I, I was in the next day, and I had to go to hospital with him. And just seeing him was, was it a stretcher. It's enough for me. It was pro- I think they were keeping him alive. Like, it's, yeah, that he wasn't doing it by himself. Like yeah, he was being kept alive. Wow. wow. Yeah. Because the smoke can be problematic because um, Arizona's most dangerous ever prisoner is this guy called Robert Wayne Vickers, a.k.a. Bonsai Bob. Bonsai Bob. Yeah. <laughs> As he moved up the security levels, he, 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 yeah. killed, he killed his cellmate when he was in the lower security. They put him in the highest security level. So he plotted to kill his neighbor. Right. And he made a milk carton bomb out of cleaning chemicals and her products and stuff. As he's walking to the shower, he throws the milk carton bomb on his neighbor, sets fire to him with toilet paper. And because this guy burning alive, because it's in such a closed environment, yeah, the prisoners were almost dying just from the smoke inhalation because they couldn't. There was no, uh, there was no air coming in. Yeah, that's wow. all. There was a few prisoners around him that had to go out to hospital as well from the smoke inhalation. Yeah. yeah. So that, yeah, that was a, a crazy night. I think when you're in a prison that doesn't have a lot of staff in the first place, f- for like three, four prisoners having to go out to hospital that's like the, any of the, guards the end harmed? of the world um mentally yeah <laughs> yeah physically I, I don't think so um 
but mentally there was some officers that just after that just weren't right are they the ones who got through the barricade to get him out yeah they yeah they had to break the door down um to get in they were in like fire fire hoods and stuff did Um, they have extinguishers all that yeah yeah Yeah. so they had to um they had to break in there and get him out um apparently it wasn't nice i mean when i when i saw him the next day that wasn't nice in itself so for what they had to go through Crazy. Take my hat off to him because, yeah, it's, yeah. It's so when you say firehood, is it like an asbestos suit with a mask? It's and... pretty much just like a, oh, how do I describe it? Like an inflatable sort of thing. What? Uh, yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's weird. You you pull something and it sort of just goes, and then you, you, put, it, you put it over your head. <laughs> yeah. And then you're ready to fight fire. But it only lasts for like five minutes and you've only got like two hoods around. So you've got to then run to a, like a different area to get another hood what yeah and we'd get like a lot of fake like cell fires as well so people would like they'd get their vape and they'd like break the end off and somehow they'd make it so the smoke was just coming out right. and they would hover it above their like um what's it smoke detector and uh block their panel so you can't see inside and at that point it's a cell fire you have to treat it like a cell fire so you get all in the kit and then you put the hose through and then as soon as they get wet they're like no nah, it's not a real fire <laughs> yeah they, they, they just give up straight away like it's just not... do it for a prank yeah pretty much some yeah. but some that like there was one person in particular he was just like really immature like you tell he was i think he was he'd been in a young offender since he was like 10 11 years old and then he came into the adult prison he couldn't handle it and he was just doing stupid stuff like that that in a young offenders prisoner they're all they're all probably doing but in an adult prison no one really does that but he was just sort of doing it, I think, to one, get a reaction and two, fit in with everyone else around him. Mm. So what happens if people OD? Usually you, so a nurse would come, um, assess them, an ambulance is called straight away if they're, if you think someone's struggling to breathe, you call an ambulance like precautionary. Um, an ambulance would come, they'd go out to hospital and they would, they'd come back after they've had their treatment. Some some prisoners would just do it to get out to hospital. Mm. A lot of prisoners would do that just to like do something to get a reaction and to get. That's out like a day out. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. To be honest, when as an officer, like when you go out on an escort, it's something different. Like it's just like you're you you going out to the hospital for the day. You're sort of away from the prison. So you quite so, enjoyed it. Sometimes it's quite nice. I liked being <laughs> on the um. I liked being on the the handcuff, um, because you don't have to do anything. Like the, there's an officer that deals with like all the paperwork and stuff. I'm terrible with paperwork. So I never could wrap my head around it. So I'll just say, just stick me on the handcuff because most officers wouldn't like that anyway, being handcuffed to like a big scary prisoner, but I didn't mind because it meant I didn't have to write anything down <laughs> basically. <laughs> and you never had any trouble with that then? No, not personally. There was a few officers who had trouble on escorts and stuff like prisoners trying to escape and stuff like that. There was one <laughs> in a hospital waiting room um sort of and uh he was on a the escape list um but i don't really think he ever really would have made a genuine esca- like escape attempt but because he had made threats you had to put him on there anyway um so he thought he was going to one hospital uh which was the local hospital that most of the prisoners went to we ended up taking him to a, a different one um to sort of like trick him um <laughs> because he had made a phone call to like family members i think he said like on the phone call i'm going to be at this hospital um so we took him to a different one turn up in the waiting room i'm handcuffed to him 
He's like six foot three, massive traveler bloke, like fights for a living sort of thing. Um, and a couple of weeks ago, he had attempted to assault me. My only ever attempted assault <laughs> in the prison service was from him. Um, but because he was out of it at the time, he didn't remember me. So we were just chatting, uh, whatnot. He was, there was like wow. a free coffee machine, which I've never seen in a hospital. Usually they charge about eight quid, but he literally was like, oh, just get me a free coffee. The officer who was in charge, which was off getting him a coffee. I think he had about 12 coffees in the end, but <laughs> it kept Sounds him happy. Like and he was just wired. And then, um, in walks like Joe Bloggs, member of the public who's kicking off at the nurses, uh, kicking off at anyone who'd listen. He had a massive black eye, uh, like seemed like a broken nose. I knew the guy who walked in, the pub, the guy from public. I'm sat there in uniform. I'm thinking, oh my God. I was never friends with him, anything like that. But it was sort of to the point was. where I knew his name. He knew my name. If he saw me, I don't know how it would have went. Um, so anyway, we're sat there and this guy's going, oh, fucking look, all the attention's on him over there. Like nods towards the prisoner I'm with. I'm sat handcuffed to him. I'm like, oh my God, like he could Please. he could drag me across this room in two seconds flat, like drag me along the floor like I'm a doll he's playing with or something like that. Um, I'm looking at the guy, I'm saying, please don't recognize me. Please don't recognize me. Like, and uh, he just looks at me, the prisoner. And he goes, Tomo, is he talking about me? And I went, no, <laughs> no, mate. No, I don't think so. I think he's talking about him over there. And he's like, he's like, no, I think he's talking about me. And I'm like, no. I'm like, do you want another coffee? He goes, yeah, get him a coffee, please. Get <laughs> <laughs> him a coffee. And he, he, stayed, he stayed quiet after that. But oh my God, that was like a hairy moment because I knew the guy. So I thought, oh, it could easily go south if he's... Because at that prison as well, we didn't do our surnames. Like we did first name own. No, we did surnames, not first name. The second prison was the opposite. You did first name, not surname. Um, so I thought if this guy says my first name, this prisoner then knows my full name. Mm. So, which sometimes can be with certain prisoners. You don't want that. Mm. Um, and yeah, so that was a bit bit scary, just knowing that he could just do whatever he wanted, really. He was massive, like probably one of the biggest prisoners I've seen. But two weeks before that, I, I answered a cell bell from him and his panel was like blocked off. And he said he wanted to see a governor. Um, and I said there was no governors in, which was true because at the time at that prison then didn't have to be a governor in at all times. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. And there was no governor in. It was nearly like night patrol time. Um, and he didn't take too kindly to that. I went back up to the office, went back down and put his cell bell on again because even though you know he's wasting time, you've got to answer the cell bell. Um, so I went down there and just straight away just like swipes through the obs panel because it smashed the glass out. Um, yeah, so uh, like 
my face is here. The office panel is like where the mic is. His hand comes out sort of right near my face. I'm like, whoa. I didn't know what was in his hand or whatever. I'm like, yep, just going to write that down. <laughs> so I uh, went back up to the office. Again, cell bell, unresponsive. I hear like sort of like a gargling sound. And I'm like, oh God, I'm thinking the worst. Even though his obs panel smashed out, then it's sort of life or death. So you've, I had to see in there. So I just sort of poked the paper that he'd used to block it in, shine the torch in. And I see him hanging sort of thing <gasps> off like the end of like his sort of window. Um, and he was sort of like, like blue at that point. Oof. Yeah. Um, so I think he, I don't know how he had managed to press the cell bell, but to me, it looked like he had been there at least a minute or two. Wow. Um, so then obviously straight away called for further like officers to come. We go in there like recovery position. He's unresponsive, but breathing to start with. He comes around, he claims he didn't know what happened. Um, he was out for about a minute or two so i guess maybe he just lost it was just like a bit of bed clothing like sheet uh pillowcase i don't really know but he sort of just cut it and to the point where he could wrap it around his neck so that was fun yeah Yeah. (laughs) and then uh, when i when i went out of him like two weeks later to the hospital i just thought please just don't gain your memory back because you will (laughs) remember me as the officer you tried to hit and then sort of like hung yourself in front of which was you know not nice to see <laughs> on our Samworth podcast he described like lots of different ways that they try and kill themselves yeah they're quite one creative. was like called a crocodile roller thing off the bunk yeah yeah yeah, yeah. do you want to say so were, from what i perceive of it anyway i don't know if it's the same as what he's seen some prisoners would hang like a sheet off the end of their railing on their bed they would put it around their neck and then they would roll over because you have to observe them and see sort of what they're they're doing. So you have to see that they're breathing. You have to see if they've changed position or not. So some would move to the left, then move to the right because they know technically they've then changed position. Um, but each time they move, the the like rope or sheet or whatever is obviously getting tighter. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of just as they move, it gets tighter and tighter to the point where they're not breathing anymore. And I think that sometimes they would succeed with that. But for me, you, you, I couldn't take any chances. I would always, I would, it's annoying for them, but I shine that light until they they tell me to fuck off, yeah. <laughs> basically. Because I'm, I'm not finding anyone dead, like, no way. And you didn't? Nope, nope. Shining that uh, light. Officers did, <laughs> oh, yeah. O- officers did, but not me. No, I'm so lucky I didn't either. I couldn't, I don't think I could have dealt with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Were no. they suicides that the other officers found? Um, I think one guy died of natural causes, um, and I think there was one suicide, sort of in the time that I was there as well. Yeah. So mm. one of the jobs you said was working at the nurses' station, is it? The yeah, health, health, yeah, yeah, healthcare thing. What's the healthcare thing? What, what, how's that so work? The prisoners just turn up. They have appointments. Um, so they come in. They've got to see the dentist or something like that. Um, you take their time, tick them on the list put them in a waiting room, they go see the dentist, they go back to their wing. Uh, it was never really a problem before COVID, but the problem is you're in there on your own, like other than the nurses and doctors, but they, the way the prison service see it is you've got 10 nurses around you, so you don't need an officer's backup, but those nurses aren't restraint trained. If anyone kicks off, you are alone. They've got to sort of stand there and watch. Um, so during COVID, like as it just started, when everyone thought like, this was like the plague 2.0 sort of thing. All the prisoners were really like worried about being in the same waiting room as each other. 
I wanted to ask you, did you notice prior to COVID being announced that prisoners were getting sick? Um, no. Personally, I don't think it broke into the prison ser- service system until like a, a year after it started, especially our prison. COVID started in the March. I don't think we had a positive case until the following December. And that was on my wing. And it turned out to be a false positive. Thank God. And then everyone caught it in the January when wow. when Delta was a thing. Um, so it was like this time last year, everyone caught that. Like it was crazy. The prison service had just started to open back up and allow visitors and stuff back in again. Soon as the visitors came in, COVID came in. That's what I was going to ask next. Yeah. Where? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they're not like, they weren't allowed to like hug and kiss their family members during COVID. It's obviously hard for a lot of them. Some people would just ignore it. But then as soon as, as soon as they've like shared a kiss, you know, COVID, yeah, it's it's there. Just went down. Yeah. That's I caught it January last year, which was when I think at one point we had about a hundred positive cases prisoner wise. Um and probably about fifty percent of the staff had it as well at any one time. So there was no staff left there basically. And the ones that were I didn't catch it in the initial wave. I was one of the later ones that caught it. So the initial wave, I was one of the officers that was working like basically all hours of the day whilst everyone else was off. And that was hard, but it was actually probably for me harder actually just being at home with it, just shacked up with COVID. It wasn't very nice, particularly. So the whole system was locked down at that point, was it? Yeah, yeah. Um, There was like different categories, I think, um, of COVID when you had a certain amount of cases, you had to fully, fully lock down. Everything stops except exercise. But COVID prisoners, no exercise, nothing. Locked in SL, twenty four hours. hours. Yeah, yeah. So how are they get? How do they get the food? You so you put PPE on. Uh, this is how a lot of officers caught it because the PPE was sort of limited, and you'd run out, and then you'd call for more. You wouldn't sort of like preempt the fact you're going to run out of it. And cool, say we come and get more PPE. I said, oh, none's coming in until tomorrow. So then you've sort of got to just use your common sense and just sort of say stand at the back of your cell sort of thing and just sort of slide yeah. the slide the food in. Um, but yeah, you just wear like an apron, gloves, a mask and a visor. Um, I used to, the way I used to do it, I used to say put your chair at the front of the cell, have like a sort of plastic chair. I'd put the food on the chair. They would stand at the back and then I'd walk away close the door and then they can come get it off the chair but still caught it so yeah, <laughs> obviously it didn't work, work. <laughs> no. yeah and how was the tension then of the prisoners as the lockdown continued for weeks and months to start with it was awful mm-hmm. um and then it sort of died down but then when they knew that um the outside world was opening back up it then got really bad because they were like well you lot are fucking you know you're coming to work for 12 hours and then you've like pissing off to the pub sort of thing and we don't get to do that so we have to stay in ourselves all day that was the excuse they always used like you you'd seem like you're having a shit day an officer would be in a bit of a bad mood and they oh it's all right for you you're going home to the pub <laughs> sort of thing like <laughs> <Did> you? <laughs> sometimes <laughs> can't, can't lie on a hot summer's day yeah you can't say no to a you can't say no to a beer garden but yeah that, that was a big thing when the other stuff started opening up and their families were calling them and saying like, oh yeah, we've been out today, we've done this. And all they've done that day is come out for half an hour's exercise. They're pissed off. Mm. So how long did they go without visits for? Because I, I know how important visits are. I, f- 
think it was a couple months. Wow. Yeah. I think the first lockdown, there was no visits. Did that cause drug shortages? You noticed it <laughs> to start with, yes. But in the prison service, corruption is like ridiculous. You you can't trust anyone. Like Even though you trust your colleagues to an extent, it's always the ones you least expect mm. and you find out about. They... Officers will be quick to look down at young officers and stuff and say like, oh yeah, corrupt, whatever, look corrupt. Sometimes they would just go off pure appearance. Like someone's got a lot of tattoos. You're corrupt. Corrupt. Like, but sometimes it's like a 67 year old bloke who's close to retirement and just wants a bit of extra, moolah. bit of extra moolah to, you know, go to Spain and <laughs> live his years well, out there. Yeah. yeah. Lee Davis talked about that one. Yeah. So, so. I think, yeah, usually... It is sort of just easily impressionable, young, naive officers. Occasionally, you will get older officers. So w when was the first time you heard about corrupt officers or your experience? <laughs> Funny story. So during <laughs> training, we went into the prison um, and we had a meeting with a new officer. Um, they, I'm not going to specify what gender they were, had been there about two or three months and all they were talking about in this meeting was how their system really works and we should adopt their system um that and that they had a massively great rapport with all the prisoners and straight away i wasn't even officer at that point that's ringing alarm bells in my head i think <laughs> someone is going to think you're a twat no matter what like no, <laughs> nobody is everybody's cup of tea sort of thing but the way they were talking it was like yeah i i am everyone's cup of tea like everyone likes me sort of thing you should be like me you should do this you should do that um, when I came back from training, I was told that the week before they were met at the gate by police um, because they had been caught smuggling in drugs. Yeah. So the person you're you're like you sent in, you're told they're the dogs bollocks, and you need to yeah. like follow their system. Had been caught Correct. giving drugs. Perfect camouflage, isn't it? Yeah. So are these things covered up then to not to prevent embarrassment to the prison system or are they publicised and prosecuted? Everyone I've seen who was prosecuted is publicised. Um, but I would say from what I've seen, there's been about my time in the prison service, just under three years, I saw about five, six officers who were caught sort of red-handed, say only two of them got punished by by law wow. so a lot of the time it is sort of like they pull you to one side and they like we know what you're up to you're gone like and you just like because they can't catch you red-handed but they know enough about you to know that you're you're doing it so you're gone we saw that of a few officers one day they just disappear mm. and you'd be like oh what happened to this person and then the officer, you know, Chinese whispers, and then it comes down to it. Yeah, they were corrupt. Sometimes, you know, it could be bullshit. It could be the rumor's not true or whatever. But, I mean, most of the time, like, yeah, they're corrupt and they've been told yeah. to leave. And they don't want the embarrassment, I imagine, as well. I suppose, I suppose so, because it, like, the job will attract as well. Like, there's a lot of rumors sort of going around that there's, like, inside members of gangs and stuff, like, posing as prison officers, bringing in drugs and stuff. <laughs> so I suppose that's quite embarrassing for the prison service that they've let people sort of slip through the net mm -hmm. and become officers. So I think, I mean, I can't speak for the prison service, but I think, yeah, that would be embarrassing. 
if I was the head of the prison service and I knew that I, like my system was employing gang members, you know, not a good look, is it? No. <laughs> so as tensions rose then during this lockdown, yeah. how did the prisoner's behaviour change? It was more just frustration. Some of them dealt with it really well. Like hats off to to some of them. Like I could not spend 23 hours, 30 minutes a day locked inside a room. Can you imagine like if that door over there closed and one once a day someone would come to you, here's your food. Another time a day, someone would come to you, say you're allowed 30 minutes to walk around the garden. Well, or something like yeah. that like it would be awful and it was that for about three four months so some of it dealt with it really well and we're like still polite towards officers because at the end of the day like covid affected everyone it wasn't just prisoners like officers some some officers family members had it some officers had it themselves some officers nearly died from it sort of thing and then would come back to work like the next week like nothing <laughs> yeah. ever happened um so yeah some of them dealt with it really well some were just frustrated and just thought that we were sort of just going home and doing a well like a boris johnson <laughs> just like going home and having like these secret parties and stuff and they're like oh, it's all right for you you don't obey the lockdown you're going home and doing whatever you want but yeah no wow. so it depends really so if a prisoner was diagnosed with covid was he treated differently yeah yeah it's like i think because a lot of prison officers are older for me i didn't mind if i caught it but family members and stuff you know you've got people who are high risk so i would definitely be more cautious a lot of officers if someone's got covid it's like i'm not i'm refusing to work on that wing i'm not going anywhere near them but some officers don't have a choice like you're told you're working on that wing you're working on that wing you you, you haven't been there for like 20 odd years like the officers who can just say no and they'll just say oh well i'll leave if you don't let me yeah. they don't want to lose people that much experience so a lot don't get me wrong there was a lot of older officers been there for a longer time working on the covid wings on the like front line of it etc putting themselves at risk but there was a lot of people that just didn't want anything to do with it would just treat treat them like zombies even us the officers that worked on the covid wing which like alienated from the rest of the prison we wow. had to come in at a different time a day etc so like all the other officers would come in at say half seven we'd come in at eight and stuff like that which should nice get like a little lay in so if but, you're if you're diagnosed with covid in the beginning then yeah you said there was a covid wing they, yeah. they, they moved them from their actual cells to the covid wing so we had but then it would get like so many cases that officially there's two wings during covid in every prison i think this is the law um so you have like a cohort wing where say four prisoners transferred from prison A to prison What's B. What's that noise? Can you hear it? No, well, can't hear it. I think that. I can hear like a plane or something. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. So, so if, say four prisoners transferred prison A to prison B. Um, they're kept in a group together, um, so they would pad up together. They'd be cellmates, whether they liked it or not, unless they were high risk, and then they were on their own. Um, and then you keep them separate, so. Prison A, one group. Prison B, another group. Prison C, another group. The only problem was with that, they all had to have separate exercise. So you had to, sometimes you had like 12, 13 exercise sessions to do a day. Wow. Um, but then there's another wing where the COVID cases get like shipped over to that wing. But the whole time I was there, I never saw that wing used for that purpose. It was always, if they've got COVID, they stay where they are and they're locked behind the door and they don't come out until mm. they're negative, basically.
So you were the guard during this COVID period, and it culminated in a riot. It started. It started with a riot. Started with a riot. It started with a riot. I use the term riot loosely. I wasn't really. I was there um, after it had all happened. So basically, um, the day the government announced that we were all going into lockdown, I was on a late shift, so I started at half twelve. So I see all the bad news in the morning. I'm like, oh God, life's mm. life's over. Uh, the Black Death, you know, part two. And uh, I go into the prison. I'm thinking everything's going to be normal in there for some reason. I don't know why. I walk in. I literally have a radio chucked at me. And it's like, go to like A-Wing straight away. And I'm like, oh God, here we go. I literally run straight up there, get there. There's like pretty much every single prisoner on that wing in one tiny little room they'd all packed into one room and they were refusing to leave a lot of them more violent than others ended up getting restraint i wasn't involved in any of the restraints they sort of happened before i was there um but the numbers of officers to prisoners was probably about i'd say on that particular wing every sort of wing had its own problems on that particular wing we're probably talking 15 officers 120 prisoners what was the right gear like? Um, so, yeah, so I've eventually, like, most of them went away, but there was a few that were still refusing. Um, two ended up, like, sort of going like over the railings, they call it. So they were, like, at height, basically, which is like a, a protest that prisoners do. They go, like, somewhere where there's a drop. Um, so basically you have to treat it as they're going to kill themselves. So then it's, like, rapid deployment. You're in gear straight away. So I got called. It was my first ever time in gear. But again, they like it's slim pickings. Like they just pick like whoever's available. So I was like a spare number that day, which happens very rarely. So they're like, right, you're in kit. So I arrive at the at the stores like helmets, like um, you got like overalls, boots, whatever. Um, we get sent up to the wing, and all the way there, they're telling me this prisoner, the one that's kicking off in particular, they're like, he's dangerous. He's like when it goes off it's going to go off like he's ridiculous like the like proper painting it up to me i think i didn't know if it was a wind up or not but i'm preparing for the worst i'm shitting myself um we turn up at the wing um like you, you have to deploy like a crash mat and stuff um so the people at height were dealt with they eventually came over and there was a guy that was barricading his cell which was the one that everyone was worried about um so we go in i'm not on the shield thank god because they usually put like a experienced officer on the shield because if the shield goes wrong then the whole thing's going wrong um and literally break down the door go in he screamed like a girl he literally like he said don't touch me don't touch me don't touch me <laughs> they stood at the back of the cell and then we just sort of guided him out of the cell removed all the barricade and then because he hadn't kicked off no one had really prepared for anything so he just walked back into his cell like nothing had ever happened mm -hmm. right. so we all got in this gear for nothing i was told like this is going to be dangerous you might get bitten you might get assaulted whatever we walk in there he screams and puts his hand up and runs to the corner of the room and it wasn't the most intimidating officers either as i said like you don't really get a choice you just pick whoever's there so like it was like me a couple of female officers and then just one experienced officer Mm. on the on the shield and he screamed i think he did it as a joke looking back on it i think he just did it to wind us up i think he was just annoyed about the lockdown and he just did it because he knew that he's had previous so he just 
thought he'd do it for a laugh just to wind up the offices. Yeah. Were there any situations where you got the gear on and it got heavy? Um, the situation we spoke about earlier, I was in gear for that, but only sort of half dressed um, because it happened sort of spontaneously. I turned up sort of in the helmet and mm. basically really nothing else. <laughs> like <laughs> helmet, overalls and boots pretty much because it all happened so fast. Um, I've never been proper like in like a riot gear where there's been an actual riot seen it happen but i was never like called upon to to deal with it which i'm glad about to be honest because yeah not my cup of tea but i would do it if i was told to do it but like i never actively choose i just do it yeah <laughs> what how did we do the escape risk prisoner kicking off in the hospital waiting room? that's yeah, yeah with the it. guy i oh. the guy i knew that was uh, oh yeah, 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 I remember that one. So why don't we talk about what we were talking about in the break about the canal killer? Yeah, so the so when I transferred to a category A, obviously I I knew what I was getting in for, but at the same time I didn't really. Um, a category A environment's a lot easier for officers because the ratio's higher, so you got more prisoners. So no, less prisoners, more officers. Um, so there's a lot more to officers to deal with it when things do go wrong. Um, but there was this one guy in there who was just particularly like really creepy. He's like a quite a notorious serial killer. I won't say his name, but he's known for like dumping bodies in canals. And he's obsessed with hands, female hands. So he makes paintings of hands and stuff. Um, female officers have to be sort of careful around him with nail polish and stuff like that. Because well, he what has does he try and do? Obsession. Grab their hand or something? He just looks, he just stares, but you don't want to end up being sort of like his next victim, do you say? <laughs> <laughs> like, even, like even so, like even male officer, I think he just has an obsession with different types of hands. I right. couldn't even explain it, but there's so many like documentaries on him and stuff. You easily find him. Watch. I think he's um, one of like Britain's most taboo killers and stuff like that. Like he's a very uh, strange, strange man, and he makes paintings of like like depict the officers in different ways and stuff. So he had like a painting of like a a prison of a prison officer as a rat. So he had painted like a rat with officer's uniform on. <laughs> um, he had like ones with hands where like you could clearly see that the hand had been like chopped at the wrist, um, which is what he did. It's like the Banksy of the prison service. Pretty much, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like creepy Banksy, like yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was a strange guy. But yeah, transferring f to a different prison and going from a category C, which is like drug dealers, uh burglars like petty crimes mostly occasionally you get like a burglar who's worked his way through the system not a burglar sorry a murderer who's worked his way through the system ended up in a category c um but yeah transferring to a category a pretty much everyone's in there for like horrific crimes like, did he do a, a portrait of you uh, well so he actually did call me a rat once uh, and it was before i found the picture of the rat so he called me a rat because um, he someone else did his menu for him because he couldn't read and write. Um, and they meant to put down fish, but they put down a vegetable pasty. So I turned up at his cell with a vegetable pasty. Um, and he's like, where's my fish? And I said, well, you've ordered the vegetable pasty. Showed him the menu, which they fill out themselves with pencil. Um, and it clearly said pasty. And he said that I doctored it on a computer and then printed it back out. Um, and then he called me like a, a rat and all sorts, Freemason, whatever he could think of, basically. 
Uh, that's like the default insult they mostly all go to. It's just, yeah, you're a fucking Freemason. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, yeah. You look at some of these serial killers like Dennis Nielsen and you just would think, you know, this guy works at the, what was it, the unemployment centre and he looks yeah. like a bit, center, bit of yeah. like a professor. They're among us everywhere. It's, it's, it's so strange. It's really strange how it just it can be anyone, can't it? It's, this killer you're, you're talking about now, what was his appearance? Very large um old he was i think in, in his late 70s um probably about six foot four six foot five um he had let sort of put it this way he wasn't doing any exercise uh just a big bloke because sort of, when you get to that age and you're in prison you know you've got no way out you just don't care so you just it's probably why he was so annoyed about the fish yeah. <laughs> looking back yeah. on it <laughs> was he the highest profile prisoner in that one no, no, there was all sorts, uh, all sorts, Ter- terrorists, murderers, etc. Category A is obviously that's the the highest security you get. So, you know, the worst prisoners have to go somewhere. Do you know what I mean? So, so do they get out the cells? Yeah, yeah. It, they're, they're all entitled to the same time out. They have like, Category A is different. They have less work to a Category C, but they end up just out socialising quite a lot more. Are there more fights? No, category C's much more fights, much more fights. Gang members usually because you've got like rival drug gangs and stuff because mostly drug dealers unless it's like the leader of like a drug cartel or like like chain, whatever. It's usually just the drug dealers in category C's so they'll have beef with each other. They'll be from different parts of London and then fights happen pretty quickly. Postcard mm. was. Yeah, and during COVID, I, I was lucky enough to leave like just before everything opened back up properly now i can imagine it's chaos because a solution in covid was if a prisoner's kicking off on say b-wing uh instead of moving him to a different prison which is what they'd usually do if he's got beef with someone else they'd just move him to a-wing but then when the prison system opens back up they're all going to be back on one route together again and they'll walk past each other in the corridors and stuff so uh, they're even gonna have to do a lot of moving around or uh they're going to end up fighting and being right gear. Yeah, pretty mm. much. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's similar to in America because in the highest security levels are the more serious criminals. Yeah. But they know if they go at it, there's going to be really bad consequences. Yeah. So it's yeah. karma. Yeah. But definitely. the lower levels, the younger, yeah, testosterone charge, trying to prove themselves. Yeah. And then you, they just turn into gladiators. Well, I was saying earlier, like young yeah. offenders. Yeah, and the female prison. Yeah, young offenders and female prisons tend to be, on average, not so much female prisons, not so much violence. Young offenders definitely violence. Female prisons a lot of self harm stuff like that, etc. Yeah, but male prisons tend to actually be a little bit calmer than young offenders and female prisons. From yeah. from. What I've heard. Would you say that a category A is equivalent to an American Supermax or is it a bit different? Isn't it like a double A? Because in an American Supermax, you just do not get out of your cell unless you're going to medical, in yeah. which case you got to get against the wall, um, put your hands through the sliding door, handcuff you, go back to the wall, step out carefully, and then you got this SWAT team around you taking you to medical or they'll take you out for a shower or they'll take you to the handball court. No, it's not but like that's that, it. Yeah. It's not like that. And you only go everywhere on your own. You cannot be around any, any other prisoners. That to me is crazy. It's not like that here at all. That's mm. like you, it's very, the prison side is very big on treating prisoners like humans. Yeah. So giving them as much as possible. And there's no padded cells. 
But these people are so yeah. dangerous, though, in America, in Supermax. There's, it's like if they let them all out at once, what would yeah. happen? You know, well, got, set, like the prisoners that do tend to kick off stuff like that can be separated or segregated. A segregation unit within a Category A, they're not coming out. Meals are done at the door. Exercise, they're escorted. So I guess from that question, yeah, a segregation unit in a Category A is probably as close as you can get. To a supermax. To a supermax, yeah. yeah. So in a, a unit where they can't get out the cells then and they settle their disputes in their fists usually, yeah. do they weaponize crap and body fluids, which is what they do in America? The shit <laughs> well, yeah. Um, I think it tends to be a lot more now like weapons and stuff, like improvised weapons, like toilet brushes and stuff like that with razors on the end and stuff like that, like melted in like razor blades and stuff, whatever they can get their hands on, like a sharp bit of scrap metal from a workshop or something like that. That happens a lot. I didn't really see a lot of uh, potting going on. I've heard about it. I heard a sort one case happened um, and I as well nearly apparently got potted, but there was never any proof. So apparently he got rid of it, rid of it before anyone could see. So I don't know. Because you said you got a funny story about the toilet brush. Yeah. Uh, so the toilet brush story. It was my first day on the job, first official day, like live on the wings. I'm doing my own thing, so not shadowing. I'm now my own officer. So I'm on this wing, and there's a a trans transgender prisoner on the wing. Um, I will refer to them as they because they would chop and change um so one week she would be a she the next week she would then want to be called harry potter and like legally <laughs> change her name that actually how she legally wanted to change her name to harry potter so for the sake of the story i referred to him as they um but i was on the wing and they often self-harmed um that lunch break there was an instant of self-harm she they put their cell bell on um and was hanging we had to cut cut them down um so a lot of self-harm going on somehow they had managed to get hold of a marker pen and they had wrote like bbc panorama on their forehead i thought you were gonna say drew little no yeah in his harry potter phase um yeah so they they wrote bbc panorama on their forehead and their ultimate aim was to go out to hospital um because they were on like what's called a ipp sentence um so Basically, you can only get out if the parole board says you're fit to leave. And obviously, if you've never shown any steps like this prisoner to get to that point, um, then you're not getting out. You're going to stay in prison for the rest of your life. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Um, so yeah, they wrote BBC Panorama. Their aim was to get to hospital. They would do it by any means necessary. Because 
they had already hung themselves, we took anything that they could use to do that again to hang themselves. So all they were left with in their cell was their shower curtain, which is like sort of stuck on, can't really take it off. Um, and if you do, your cell's going to be a mess because every time you shower, it'll just come out the door sort of thing. Um, their furniture and a toilet brush. Um, so it's about half eight. I'm due to finish about quarter to nine. I'm supposed to be going home. And um, I get a cell bell. And as soon as I saw that cell, I was like, oh, for God's sake, here we go. Like, I know it's going to be something because every time they put their cell bell on, there was some sort of self-harm or some sort of new thing mm. they had done. Um, so I answer the cell bell and they say, uh, Gov, can you look at this for me? And I'm thinking it's just like a bit of uh, paperwork or something like that. They're like, I've shoved a toilet brush up my ass. <gasps> so they go, so they turn around, like, have a look. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like no, I don't want to look. But what I did notice is it was bristle end first. <laughs> so, so the toilet brush had gone up there. You'd think... They would have just stuck it up there, you know, the normal end. No, bristle end first. Oh. And uh, I'm stood there like, oh my God, I don't know what to do. It's my first day on the job. I'm like, how do I explain this to like who's in charge? Like what is going on? They said, <laughs> I can't pull it out because it will pull my insides out. Oh. I'm like, oh my God, Trailer please just one. stop. Please just stop. Mm, please Trailer. stop. I called um, call a staff member over who was with what? me on the wing. I said... Have a look at that, mate. <laughs> <laughs> need, need a second opinion. He Were looks. You doing he goes, stitches afterwards. Yeah, but uh, at, yeah. at the time it was sort of like, what the fuck is going on? He has a look. He's like, oh no, that's not on. Um, so we ring the sort of manager who's in charge for the day. Say prisoners' toilet brush up the ass. Um, and actually, what the prisoner didn't realise is they were going out to hospital, um, but they couldn't now. Because they, they'd committed self-harm previously and it was like the cuts and stuff. Um, they were deep enough to send them out to hospital. So an ambulance was on the way for the prisoner. But now, obviously, they couldn't sit in the ambulance because they've Can got a toilet put brush. Side? So you'd have to sort of... But the way the officer has to be sat down with them um, to be like handcuffed to them properly for it to work. Um, so, yeah, couldn't take them to hospital. Eventually, the, we had worked out a system. I didn't take them to hospital, luckily. We worked out a system where they were sort of laid down and the officer could still sit down. Um, so they just went... But imagine, but imagine like, you've got chest pains that day. You're sat at home, you go to A&E. You think, oh, yeah, I'll just go get this sorted. You're sat in the A&E waiting room and you see a prisoner walk in with a toilet brush out there. Because you couldn't... They couldn't put trousers over the top or anything like that because so it wouldn't like go over. it's just like hanging out. Handle just hanging out, yeah. And, yeah crazy 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 I, I came home that day i was on my way because i had quite a long journey i thought to myself in the car like what have i done what have i got myself into that is that is the first thing of note that i've seen so that happened on your second day so my first day live where i was actually my own officer right before i went home that happened like oh, what did that it. person look like big sort of sideshow bob style afro <laughs> um quite short about five six five seven um at the time very feminine looking um because when a prisoner decides they want to transition they have to be able to have access to makeup and stuff oh so they did their makeup all nice and it, well say nice uh you know they did their makeup mm. um like yeah very feminine looking big ginger afro 
quite short uh, BBC panorama written on the forehead. <laughs> toilet, toilet brush up the arse. <laughs> <laughs> so when you say when a prison decides they want to transition, yeah, does that mean the prison actually accommodates that? Because in Arizona, they end up cutting them off themselves. Mm. They have to be... So I have seen a case of that. I Not firsthand, but there was a prisoner on my wing who in a previous prison had like chopped their nuts off. Well, that's Sarah, Sarah Jane, Jane Baker, Baker, yeah. Yeah, so that, that had happened in my prison as well. Um, but in UK prisons now, I think it is quite different. They, they're given the choice. Um, they have to fill out the forms, but they, they have to go through like boards and stuff. They have to sit board meetings to tell that they're sort of serious about it. As there was a case, I think I, it might have been a decade ago. I'm not really sure when it was. When I think a prisoner transitioned, they let them into a, a female prison and then committed rape and stuff like oh, that wow. in the prison. Yeah. So, so I'm you not, you would be transferred? Is that is that the law? If you if you now gone, if you're born, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't really know for certain, but from my opinion i think now what you're born with is where you go that's what it is in arizona yeah, yeah. What you're born with. so i think you can you can transition you can get to the point where you have transitioned um or or either that or they set it up for when you're on the outside so as soon so as you what go happens outside if you transition before you go in there and you get the paperwork and then you commit a crime why would you go never seen that in arizona you go to men's well, even if you've got the paperwork... If, you, if you're post-op, but you were born with male parts, yeah. you go to men's. That's what I thought as well, but, but I'm I think not some states, sure. I think each state in America is, is different laws. So they may go to women's or they may go to a special place for trans or something. Yeah. Well, know. even if they had all their bits done, so they had their dick cut off, they've got the you know women's parts, and mm. they go to a men's prison. In Arizona, when that's I was... A I think that's a recipe for disaster. I'd never seen that happen. Um so I can only guess but I think from what I've heard it is male parts male prison wow yeah because I met one that cut off both testicles but still had a willy and she was still in the men's that's a recipe for disaster isn't it yeah yeah, they've got, they've really got, they've got to either find a tough boyfriend or go somewhere they can be protected um, separated from the general population really yeah. I think the best way to do it would be to have specialist prisons for that mm. but obviously uk budget prison services underfunded as it is they can't exactly. afford that yeah exactly. i think private prisons maybe they could like afford to do their own wings and stuff where they're on like a separate wing or something like that that would probably be the best way to do it but in my prison there was only two prisoners in the whole prison who had decided they wanted to transition so it wasn't really you couldn't really put them in their it's own place yeah. etc but yeah the the guy who had chopped his nuts off he didn't actually do it because he wanted to be a woman. He just did it for self-harm. For the sake of it. Yeah. So he was in a hostel, I think. He had gotten out um, and he was very volatile. Just do self-harm whenever he could. Um, and somehow in his hostel, he had managed to get access to like a buzzsaw. What? Yeah. And he went that way. Straight sawed them off. Yeah. Apparently oh. uh, when the police or ambulance, whatever turned up, they managed <sighs> to find one. Was yeah, still to this day, there's a missing bollock <laughs> somewhere in that hostel. Someday, someone's just gonna be cleaning out, they're cleaning out their room or oh something. My God, yeah. They're just gonna find a rogue nut on the floor. Because <laughs> the ones I met got a felt tip pen, drew lines on the scrotum, cut the scrotum open, and severed them from the vas deverans. But the one, the one I met had done it successfully. Yeah, she got away with it until the wound got infected. Oh. And then she was hospitalized and reprimanded and 
What was, I can't remember the name he used for him. Prison time. Did they use? Oh yeah, I can't remember. But in a UK <laughs> well, prison, looked, they wouldn't be punished for that. That's uh, in a UK prison, they wouldn't. You don't get punished for self harm. There's a big thing on it. Mm. Self harm is very. That's why a lot of prisoners, like there are definitely some prisoners who are very mentally ill and mm. self harm because they self harm because they're mentally ill. Yeah. There are some prisoners that do use it as a bit of a, a bargaining tactic. Mm. Definitely. I'm going to kill myself if you don't give me what I want. Pretty much, yeah, yeah, because you can't punish them for it because that's how they feel. That's their their mental health sort of thing, which mm. is a good thing, I guess. Um, good thing for the prisoner, for the prisoners that actually do have mental health problems. But obviously, they end up getting a lot less attention, the ones that do genuinely have mental health problems, for the ones that are sort of, using it as a wow. bargaining tactic so, so we had a guest on three times called pepsi watson he's actually one of my first ever guests yeah. in, in the first 10 and he was ipp and he yeah. got recalled yeah so he's still in there now and he, he's written a few letters to me and, and had a few phone calls with nightmare. me and that's what he said he said the self-harm now because the, the pressure of being locked down all the time some guy yeah. cut his ear off where he was housed Ooh. and yeah. people trying to hang themselves and all this yeah. stuff yeah it's nuts it, re it really is nuts I, I don't understand how mm. like someone can do that to themselves but yeah the things they do are very sort of inventive as well such mm. as toilet brush up the arse <laughs> <laughs> so what about that now in, in America now there's so many sex offenders they're putting them in prisons of their own because they get yeah. KOS if they're in the general population mm -hmm. are they getting their own prisons these days are some they? yeah but some slip through the net um, so in my prisons you couldn't be in there on your index offence. So what's if, an index offence? Yeah. So you go to the shop now, you steal from a shop, that's theft from a shop, you're arrested for theft from a shop. But obviously you've committed crimes previously in the States. So that's a secondary offence. So your index offence is theft from a shop, but then you've got a secondary offence of whatever you were charged for out there. Oh, I see. So if a sex offender, it's in his criminal history yeah. versus what he's... He could go in for like bank robbery, but he's got yeah. a previous as a sex yeah. offence. Yeah, and that would happen a lot yeah. because, the say, for instance, prisoner A commits a bank robbery, but they've been in a year previous for rape. Mm. They can't go to a VP prison or a VP wing. They're on a gen general population. Doesn't that cause wing. mayhem then? Yeah, usually. So usually they're gone to general population and then prisoners would pick up on it. Mm. They'd get assaulted or they'd get threatened and then they'd move them to a VP wing. So they've got to get attacked yeah. first. Yeah, so they don't they don't realise until it's too late. Because sometimes <laughs> officers don't even know. Officers just hear rumours like, oh, he's done this in the past and we don't know because all we know is that he's in for burglary, etc. Like, we don't know what they've done in the past. Only really probation officers and stuff can see their full history. Maybe some members of management, but yeah, we have no idea. Pris prisoners are really savvy though, aren't they? Getting people's criminal histories. Yeah, yeah. Because they'll get family members to Google the name. They'll yeah. get, find the name yeah, out. They'll, and, they'll yeah, they'll have like a call with their family member. They're like, look this guy up. Yeah. A lot of um, like sex offenders and stuff or previous sex offenders use fake names. Mm. So they would write like, uh, they have like, a card outside their cell that says their name on it they'd go to the card they'd rub it out and they'd write it in their own oh. whiteboard pen but really when you're going round, you should notice it and you should just rub it off and write their real name yeah but a lot of them sort of do slip through the net because officers just aren't paying attention so everyone thinks they're called like john smith when they've got a completely different name 
Did um, you hear of any sex offenders getting attacked where, where mm. you were? So, funnily enough, on that first day when we were sort of being... Uh, <laughs> toilet no, brush. No, not the toilet brush. The, uh, so, my first day in the prison being escorted around, um, mm. there was an incident where uh, someone who had committed a sex offence previously had got their nose bitten off. So, they found out he had done sexual crimes in the past. They'd rushed his cell. They'd bitten off his nose. And I sort of saw him walking past me in the corridor and I just saw his face covered up with a towel and just blood all over the towel. And I thought, yeah, just avoid that one. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, just walked into the office where I was being like briefed by the manager. But yeah, that was probably like within my first three hours of being there, I, I saw that. How so. did that not put you off never to come back? <laughs> I don't really know, to be honest. I look yeah. back at it now and I look back at the toilet brush and stuff like that. And I think, why did I not just sort of run run for the hills then rather than being there for sort of two and a half years and then decide to leave mm. when nothing like that even happened. Like I just decided to leave because I wanted to leave. So yes, yeah, it is weird. I don't know why I stayed, but I did. <laughs> Some of our podcast guests who were prisoners have talked about guards giving them information on prisoners who were sex offenders. Mm. You'll get people who will come to you, approach you and give you offers, but you've just got to say no. As soon as you entertain it, It'll go from one prisoner to a hundred. That's how it happens. Like 99.9% .9 of the time you get asked to bring something in. You say, Ooh, I don't know. They're going to cling on to that and they're going to press you until you bring something in. For me, every time someone asked me for something or even made a joke about it, because they would usually just joke about it and say, Oh, fancy bringing me in this. And you say, fuck off mate. Like I had someone ask me to bring him in an Xbox game. He was like, oh, I've heard this Xbox game's really good. Can you bring it in for me? And I was like, no, mate, piss off. Get your own Xbox game. Like, order it on the catalogue or whatnot. Um, yeah. He said it wasn't on there yet or something. But I just said, yeah, piss off, mate. I'm not doing it. <laughs> Were well, so you never just tempted? No, no. Uh, so outside of the prison service, I had my own debt troubles and stuff. Wow. But I could not handle being in prison. <laughs> Simply, I no, I couldn't do it. Like, what was your debt troubles? So when I was 18, sort of just like everything's waved in your face isn't it like credit card this like finance that do this do that so i was 18 passed my driving test went and got a car of finance mm. um was paying that off when i just worked at a supermarket so i wasn't earning like a a lot of money i was paying this finance car off like two months after i got it the engine went bust it was like a couple of thousand to fix the car um so then i had to cough up a couple of thousand so it went on the credit card um, but it was my first time having a credit card, so it gained interest. It was like 24.4% interest or something like that. Um, so that was then building up. I had no way of paying it off. So I went to Barclays. I said, can I have a loan? They said, yeah, but only for £8,000. Um, and I said, okay, that's fine. Because what I can do with that is I can pay off the credit card and then pay off the outstanding bill on the car. Mm. So did it, paid off the credit card, paid off the car, happy days. I'm then just paying off the loan bit by bit each month until a year later when the car engine did the same thing again and it reoccurred and then all of a sudden i've got the same bill again uh, for like what i thought was a brand spanking like sold me the dream car sort of thing so i ended up in like just over ten thousand pounds debt i'm still paying it off to this day uh, oh yeah wow yeah it's not nice but it happens it happens so easily and i think there needs to be a lot more education about it in school i say they should teach etc about debt in school because i don't think they do at the moment they don't know no. well i mean i was only at school 
six years ago and they didn't they didn't teach us it then the so teach you fucking square number of 24 yeah exactly never yeah use in your life, like then... six years ago i could tell you exactly what pythagoras theorem was but <laughs> not how to pay off a barclay card so like yeah so it just happens you sort of get things waved in your face like you go on your online banking there'll be an offer on there or something for a credit card um all the people around you all your friends are buying new clothes and stuff some people have better jobs than me I'm working at a supermarket. I'm thinking, oh, well, I want that Ralph Lauren T-shirt. I want a Stone Island. I want this. It's my own fault. I'd go on ASOS. I'd do the Klarna thing, the buy now, pay later. Oh, they're buggers. Yeah, so <laughs> I'd, I'd do that, buy loads of clothes. Um, like, wouldn't fit into them six months later, but I'm still paying them off because I've sort of shifted debt. So it just, it just happens. It's just really easy. I think they, the way society is set up is sort of, they, failure. Yeah, they want people yeah. to be in debt because then they're paying into the system. Really. At least you didn't piss it away on Casey Price's OnlyFans. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about things waved in your face. <laughs> no, it's been a scandal recently, hasn't there, about it? Has it? Yeah. What? So what the, What kind of things it's does she post she on her OnlyFans? arrested for something else and now she's like, raising money through her OnlyFans to try and she must oh, have for God's sake yeah she's in debt and all this a lot stuff of people and... do that though I think a lot of mainstream celebrities like mm. set up OnlyFans and stuff just to talk to their fans because people buy into it and like, it got hacked as well it's, it's online though. I'll have to move this up. <laughs> there's a lot going on with her in recent weeks. Yeah, there's always something yeah. going on with Katie Price. Just look at like OK Magazine or something like that. You'll find but out. She, just she flipped the, the car, money? didn't she? Several months ago, she flipped the car. Yeah, that Sorry. she she um, got away with that one. <laughs> but but now she's just done something else. Yeah. Talk about sending her to prison. Yeah, it's crazy. She she lives a life, doesn't she? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I do feel sorry for Katie Price. I do. But yeah, I do. Yeah, I do, yeah. I do, I do feel issues. sorry for her. Yeah. I think as well. Obviously, she she lives a difficult life. Like she's got like mm. a disabled son. That can't be. That can't be easy. No matter who you are, no amount of Men money coming yeah. in that alive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. No amount of money can fix sort of those issues that she has but yeah but yeah my opinion on debt is you sort of you're set up for debt in life and i used mm -hmm. to be like very resentful of it and i used to think well it's not my fault it's it's the car dealer's fault for selling me the car mm. it's barclay's fault for giving me a loan like but now i've realized looking at it from a bit of an older perspective like no i was just an idiot that took all that yeah. because there's people my age who ha have that all waved in their face and never take out a single bit of finance but you dress like a millionaire. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, 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 literally. Like, as, lo as long as everyone perceives you as having money, some people think that's okay. Do you know what I mean? But usually the people that are wearing like the, the like expensive brands and driving mm. the nicest cars, they've also got the most debt, which mm -hmm, I didn't yes. realize when I, uh, when I took those things out, but that's something I'll be paying off for a couple of years. And, uh, do you still have the car? No, no, I got rid of it last year. Um, I swapped it in for basically the same car though, just a couple years newer. It was only a Vauxhall. So it was literally just a little Vauxhall Corsa. It was one of those ones that's like a running joke online about like people have just passed their driving tests in like <laughs> McDonald's car parks in like their new uh, Vauxhall Corsa. And mine literally was that car. Like it's like white car black rims like black wing mirrors i thought it was did you um, have the blue lights underneath no no not quite that far but i know people that do but yeah, yeah uh yeah that i thought at the time it was boy the absolute racers, dog's bollocks yeah yeah pretty much i was a boy racer I was yeah. a petrol sniffer. <laughs> petrol. I <laughs> hate the smell of petrol. Us. No, no, no. If you were a girl who used to hang around with like blokes with nice cars, 
Oh, okay. You're called a petrol sticker. Yeah, but that's the <laughs> thing yeah. as well. People love the smell of petrol. I oh, can't I stand know. it. People will be in a petrol station. No, yeah, yeah. No, I can't stand it. I hate it. it makes me feel sick. But when I was younger, I was like massively travel sick. So just like petrol, anything to do with like the inside of a car just makes me like, yeah. 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 Not a fan. Did you ever hear about guards issuing hit lists then to the mm. prisoners? No, because I think if someone was up to that, it would be kept under wraps by not only themselves, mm. but the prisoners. I'm sure it probably did happen, to be honest. Like, there's a lot of corruption in the prison service. Officers will just do whatever, whatever's easiest and will make them the most money. So if at the time that's that's what's going around, I'm sure they would. But for me, never, never dipped my toe into that lifestyle and never really thought about doing it just because of the fact I know I couldn't handle prison. Mm. Are you giving advice on how familiar to get with the prisoners? Um, I would just say my personal advice would be just treat everyone like a human being and you should be all right. No one should be... To If you're going to go into a prison with your, with your head like, oh, I'm not going to talk to certain prisoners, I'm not going to... I'm going to treat these ones like shit. If there's any sex offenders, I'm not going to talk to them. Your prison experience is going to be hell and you're going to last a month or two in the job maximum. Just go in there, treat everyone the same. Don't have your favourites as well because usually the favourite prisoners, the ones that are sort of sucking up to the prison officers are the ones that corrupt the prison officers. So just sort of keep your wits about you and just do Play some thing. pranks. Yeah, yeah, play some pranks. Yeah, I did... Uh, play some uh, prison pranks that didn't really go the way I wanted them to. Go on, what were they? Um, so it started off um, just simple ones in COVID, like just being bored and just like doing like cling film on the toilet seat or like the staff <laughs> toilet and stuff like that. So there's this massive officer, like we we're really good friends. We don't talk anymore, but like he was a great guy, like six foot three. We used to, he had a picture of Hagrid on his locker. Um, everyone said he looked like Hagrid, but he was great. And um, we knew he was on nights and we he had a habit of breaking the toilet seat because he was so big. Right. Every time he was on nights, you'd come in the next morning and you'd sit down on the toilet seat, like the women would sit it would down slide. and it would slide, it would slide <laughs> off. And they'd be like, fucking, he's been on nights again. Um, so we were like, oh, how can we get him back? So we put cling film over the toilet. So it started with stuff like that. And that was fine. He was just like, you fucking idiots. So um, pee on himself pretty Might. much yeah i think he just pissed all over the seat and the walls and stuff flashed it yeah well not the other way around because men yeah we came in well if he was doing a shit it would have gone wrong but it, yeah <laughs> so we came in the next day and he was not the type to like clean the toilet after using it or something but that toilet was spotless so i think something went wrong Mm. and he like cleaned the toilet like just to, to hide the evidence but the prank stretched to like um so you've got like orderly so to speak of people that clean for you like prisoners um and it sort of stretched to the orderlies and uh one day this one of my orderlies he kept saying to me he's proper like london geezer like i wouldn't mess with him like six foot two like quite well built just like but very seemed like a nice guy sort of thing you could get along with him really well he worked hard stuff like that i thought yeah i'm gonna play a prank on him so he kept asking about a clothing parcel that he had sent in um, so I rang reception just to see if we could go pick it up. And they said that they found £50 in one of the pockets. So they were um, like holding it back for a bit or whatever, just to test it for other stuff. And I, thought, I saw an opportunity in that because everyone knows, all officers know like real money doesn't exist in the prison system. Like yeah. there is no 
like money, like 50 pound means nothing, but 20 cans of tuna, that means a lot. So uh, I thought, yeah, we can get him here. So I pulled him in the office, we sat him down and uh, I said, obviously they've found the 50 pound in your coat. And he was like, oh no, like my message just must've sent it in by accident. Like, please don't do anything. I was like, mate, I'm afraid you've, you've lost your job and uh, they're sending you down to one of the main wings. And the main wings was like, the ghetto like the worst we're like yeah you got you got to go down to one of the main wings and he sat there he's like he's breathing heavy he's like i can't do that i can't do that he's like really like please don't do this to me he's like tell him it was a mistake tell him it was a mistake and the officer that was sat behind me he didn't usually work on the wing but he decided he found it funny <laughs> so he got in on it as well and he was like oh you know what it was mate he was like they traced it they found uh drugs on it and they traced the 50 pound note for oh, cocaine for sake. right and um he sat there like oh my god my missus does cocaine he didn't know that she like did well she doesn't but um he was like oh that must mean she's doing coke or something like that so he was then worried he was sat there and i thought oh my god it's gone too far, it's gone too far. <laughs> and what we had planned with the other orderlies was that when we walked him out of the room they were all going to walk up to him and like say their goodbye sort of thing um and then everyone was going to laugh and it was going to be funny uh, but i just see him sort of getting increasingly sort of like frustrated angry upset i didn't really know Aww. what he was uh i was like right we need to end this now so i was like oh come on mate like say your goodbyes to the rest of the orderlies get up we walk out all the orderlies like one of them walked up to him and goes just tried to shake his hand and said oh like unlucky mate like see you on the other side sort of thing and at the same time everyone just starts laughing and luckily he saw the funny side and he started laughing as well. I was literally, in that moment, my heart was beating out of my mm. chest. I thought he's gonna, he's gonna hit me, he's gonna do whatever. But I sort of knew deep down he wasn't gonna kick off, but there's always that chance. And I thought, oh, I've got in too deep here. I'm like telling a prisoner that he's like getting moved wings because <laughs> like they've found Coke in his pocket his or something like that. <laughs> like Coke. And yeah, he, he wasn't really the type whatsoever. He was in for a really petty crime. Like he wasn't like, I think it was like only his second offence, something like that. And they were both for petty crimes. So he wasn't like a hard and notorious criminal. So I wasn't really sure how he was going to take it. But uh, yeah, he luckily he took it well. But yeah, they can go wrong as well. <laughs> what, what happened when a prank went wrong? Well, pretty much that's the closest that ever came. Mm. Uh, but I can only imagine like staff mm. assault, etc. Sometimes there are officers that do just make like one too many jokes, like just pick on a prisoner a bit too much like they'll laugh about something one day but then in the morning the next day they've had an argument with their missus and then they make the same joke and they get chinned like that, that really? does that yeah that does happen a lot yeah oh well yeah because you've got to have a dark sense of humor in the prison service i think neil sam have mentioned that like you you've got to really be able to joke about anything or you won't survive both sides do, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you could sort of, you can push the boat out a bit on what you're joking about, but all it takes mm. is just one person to take it the wrong way. So you've got to pick and choose who you're making these jokes to, basically. Mm. Yeah, yeah, basically. Did mm. you ever work visitation? Yeah, but mainly um, during COVID, there was obviously no visits. So before COVID, yeah, very briefly worked on visits a few times. Um, Strip searches? Yeah, yeah, done a few strip searches. Found anything interesting? Uh, not really, no. It was uh, obviously like basic stuff, like a phone up the arse or whatnot, just like sort of poking out. Um, <laughs> Don't you? Oh, slow down, slow down. <laughs> so, take yeah. us through that day. How so, well, no, this, this happens quite a lot. So like, just like they squat in a, in a strip search. So it's sort of like they squat down 
And then how, sometimes how, how does the strip search begin then? Who, so, who, is, who is where? Where are you in relation to the so person? So you try and make it like, because it's awkward for is us. Is it in a private well. little room? Yeah, it's in like a little cubicle. Just you and the person? Yeah. No, there's two officers. Two I, officers? Yeah, so I don't want to see Rubber gloves on. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to see someone's knob, so particularly, so it's very awkward. Um, so you just say like, oh, come on, mate, like, you know what's happening, like take the top half off first, put that back on and then take the bottom half off and then put that back on. They take the top what, off. What do they the have to display when the? So they take they take their top off. They spin round. You see, you know what they've got on their top path. Not really that they can hide anything on their top path. So you have to look in the mouth. Yeah, ears, open their mouth, like, tongue up, etc. Uh, mm. Just make sure they're not nothing's poking out of a crevice. Basically, uh, top path done, and then the trousers come down, like boxers come down. Give it a shake, sort of thing. Turn around, squat. And then when they squat, sometimes something will just pop out. It'll just, It'll just go on the floor and no one wants to touch it. Like, oh, it's, it's disgusting. That's, that's the most disgusting job. But yeah. First time that happened, then what's going through your head? I'm just thinking, well, first of all, what's that? You see something so pop out. So it was halfway out? Or? Well, it, it, it poked out and then it just went onto the floor. I assume they just gave up. They just sort of squatted down and then just gave up and it what did it look up. like was it wrapped it no it was just up there it was just, it was just what type of mobile tiny little ones they have like ones that are literally the size of like a i don't know how to describe it, it like a flip one or a it's like a just a normal like buttoned one um but like they're tiny they're called zankos i think they're like really really small like wow. they they can fit they're designed for prison basically <laughs> uh, there's no like joe blogs member of the public like walking around with one of them phones like mm. <laughs> yeah designed for prison i mean maybe like a burner phone like drug dealers might use them as a burner phone but as humans we're naturally driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed when i was looking to hire someone it was so slow and overwhelming I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, phone's designed for prison. So it just drops onto the floor and thinking, oh God, what's that? It's, you don't want to be the person that has to pick it up. That's the thing. So I didn't pick it up. No way. I was just like, oh, yeah, to no. flip a coin? <laughs> well, no, someone will just volunteer. Someone, yeah, someone messed up in the head will go, oh, don't worry, I'll pick it up. Was pick it, up, put was it, it coated in anything? No, it was literally just, it just popped out. So <laughs> I, I don't know, they must have had a, Douche. you know. Yeah, 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 pretty much. Wow. Um, but usually um, phones will be found by like the dog team and stuff because sometimes like the dogs will like sniff out something, they'll do a cell search and then they'll find the phone to... A lot of the time, normal officers won't find phones and stuff. So it's very rare you actually will just find a phone. Is that because dogs are now trained to smell phones or smell where they've do, come from? Dogs can smell anything, I think. I think, mm. yeah, I think you can literally train a dog to smell anything yeah. on the planet. So yeah, dogs, yeah, they do all sorts. 
Because it would have a particular odour, wouldn't it? If it just I believe so, fresh, yeah. Freshly, yeah. freshly <laughs> hatched. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that's pretty much how it happened, uh, like a chicken laying an egg. Out. Yeah. And what was the protocol then when you saw that phone come out? Do you have to arrest that person? or No, they get placed on report, which is basically the prison version of arrest. Um, and then it can either go to like outside court most of the times phones they just get like loss of canteen or something like that that's it no. yeah sometimes but usually be for a long time but then for me mm. that just causes more problems because canteens are currency in prisons so that leads to debt and stuff so yeah they don't get put in the block then for that they get to stay um, depends depends really on the type of prison they are if they're a known sort of big player yeah they're probably getting blocked for that but usually the known big players don't carry stuff on them no it's like no it's that it's like the little the little prisoners who sort of get threatened into it that sort of end up housing the stuff oh yeah they get offered drugs did you or see whatever. prison on channel four yeah no yeah all right run it down like, that's that's what i was talking about earlier the, the dealers WG. the big guys were so confident in that prison that they could make more money than they could on the streets selling drugs yeah right. and they they knew everyone knew who they were but the guards could not touch them the guards even went in and like raided them and found stuff in the cells that they could have like used against them in like some kind yeah. of tribunal. But then they paid the little guys to say that was theirs. Yeah. So nothing can happen to them. Usually they wouldn't even have anything. In Usually they wouldn't. In the yeah. first place. Yeah. Little it's guys will have the it. The little guys will have it. They'll be threatened into it or they'll say, hold this for a week. I'll get you some spice. Something wow. like that, and then just give it to him. It was amazing how they played the system and just how cocky they were. Yeah, because they can play the system yeah. because that's the way the system's set up. It's yeah. not really the best. Yeah, a lot can happen in prison, stuff like mm. that. There's a lot of big players. There's a lot of guys who are like, oh, well, I earn more from prison in a day than what you earn in a month. Mm. Like, okay, is that because well, the price you, is mate. so much higher in prison for drugs? They said like a lot of. Uh, like stuff went around during COVID saying that prices and stuff had gone up and like everything was more in demand because they couldn't get in through visits and stuff. And that's when a lot of corrupt officers sort of started dropping off and like sort of they were coming out like flies sort so of thing. Yeah. yeah. What about drones? Dr that, do you know what? There was always talked about as like a massive thing, but I never saw one. One of my ex-boyfriends, when he was in prison, they used to get tennis balls full of weed thrown over. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is that quite popular? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's one of, like, little parcels, anything that's small and yeah. can easily just be lobbed. And where do they land? On the rec field? They'd, they'd aim for the exercise yards, but nine <laughs> times out of ten, they'd miss. Really? And a lot of the time, the there's netting and stuff. They'd miss, they'd go on the roof, like... Mm. You'd be walking through the prison, you'd just look up onto, like, netting and you'd just see, like, a package there or something. Mm. They, like, I'd say... Nine times out of ten, they probably miss. So it can't be a very profitable system doing it like that, which is why they probably go to staff members. So what happens if you catch someone with drugs? The same as the phone. It just get reported. And then once it's reported, it's out of your hands, really. It's then dealt with by the governors in adjudications. What about weapons? Same thing. Same thing. Uh, drugs, phones, weapons all sort of come under one category, but sometimes they're more serious than others and sometimes they refer it to police involvement and they'll go to court. Usually if a staff member got assaulted, it's like reported through the police, which is different. But I never really got assaulted, so I don't I don't know. I got attempted assault obviously through the office panel, but that's as close as I ever came. What's Good. the weapons of choice in there? Just whatever metal they can get sharpened up 
pretty much whatever they can get their hands on they'll do and sometimes it's like improvised where they use like a heating element Mm. toilet brush yeah 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 you can use a toilet brush for a lot of things clearly yeah yeah yeah. it's crazy how inventive they are with stuff well yeah do you want to talk about uh what we're talking about in the break the hatton garden heist yeah so um i think a lot of people there's a film on it isn't there i think called i think it's just called the hatton garden heist um so i briefly met one of the guys involved in that i think he was like the lookout guy I think he has about four different names <laughs> i'm not really sure <laughs> what name it would be um but he was like the lookout guy i met him he was like older by this point i think he was like early 80s late 70s um very quiet just kept himself to himself but he's just he'll probably be in and out of the system until he dies because he's just not paying the money back so, <laughs> so there's just like they haven't found it yeah well they can't find it and he won't pay it back so every time you don't pay it back you get like extra days or extra years in his case, it's so much money. I think it's extra years. How much is it? Like millions. Yeah. It's hidden in someone's back garden. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, go on a treasure hunt and try yeah. find that. Like, yeah. So was that an armed robbery then? I think it was actually quite sophisticated the way they did it. I don't think it was an armed robbery. I think they drilled in to the um, to the room that housed it. Wow. And they like just took everything they could. But they got caught. Um, I think it was. I think it was actually the lookout was officially why they got caught. I don't think he was doing his job properly. Mm. I think like they drove back to the scene or something like that in the same car. No, they drove back to the scene in one of their personal cars, and then the car was traced to one of them. And then once that had happened, it was ne- very nearly like the best heist in history like the most successful so heist in history to but they drove the back to the scene in mm. their car i think that's what happened it's always the dumb shit isn't it yeah 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 little things never little return things. yeah and then we've got a prisoner threatened to kill me saying he has a bomb whilst on night shift oh yeah so nights in a prison are just different uh different level a lot of things a lot of things happen on nights because a lot of the prisons have messed up sleeping patterns especially the ones that don't have jobs they'll be up all night because the best tv's on at night mm. they'll watch all the tv at night and then they'll sleep during the day or they'll play xbox at night call their family whatever um and then they'll sleep during the day and then you know they're awake with just their thoughts and their cell at night so often you get cell bells um this guy literally had his cell bell on the whole night he had just come in from reception he had like a a haircut like his it was like a triangle on the front of his head that he had just shaved in um straight away i looked at him i thought oh he's gonna be a fun bloke to deal with Mm -hmm. straight away he's on the cell bell he's just asking me weird questions like um just like personal questions i'm like i'm not talking to you about this at half two in the morning as prisoners on the other side are actually trying what to sleep banging on their doors just stuff like oh what's your first name what car do you drive like you got an audi stuff like that like no mate i don't i'm not revealing i don't care like why yeah. are you talking to me about this at half two like go to sleep um <laughs> and then eventually it got to the point where he was putting on his cell bell so much that i just put it on the intercom so i could just hear everything he was saying yeah um and every five minutes I had to go up and check that he was still alive, basically. Um, because Selbo, you legally have to answer within five minutes. Mm. Um, so I hear on the intercom, he's talking about a bomb. And he's like, I'm going to set off the bomb in like in like 30 seconds or stuff like that. I'm sat there like counting it down in my head, like fucking hell. <laughs> Here we go. This is it then. <laughs> like this is, a, this is how I go. Um, obviously nothing went on, but he's just talking like, yeah, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to slash his throat. Like he got... 
and I, I didn't know if he was talking about me or whatnot. Turns out I sort of snuck up to his cell and I was sort of watching him through the crack in his door and he was just sat on the edge of his bed, like shaking back and forth. And he was saying these things to himself. So obviously he was quite mentally ill. Yeah. And he was just talking about someone else, not me, luckily. But then uh, when he found out that obviously I wasn't going to reveal it in my personal information, he then said it on me and he was like, oh, fucking blow you up and stuff like that. And I was just like, oh, you're, you're a nice bloke. <laughs> Did you have no. any more dealings with him after that? No, no, he, he was on. So after nights, you get a week off. So you do a week of nights, week off. Um, so after my night shifts, I didn't see him again because by the time I came back, he was already moved on to the next wing because the COVID wing, they don't stay on there for the whole time. They just come in, isolate, go to the next wing. Right. So you've always got like a rolling clientele yeah. on the COVID wing. You never really know who you're going to get. Well, you've got a paranoid prisoner for officers were going to come in his cell and kill him. On yeah. the night shift? <laughs> yeah, on the night shift again. So he, yeah. he was, again, cell bell, and he kept saying, are you going to come in my cell tonight? I said, well, no, not personally, mate. I don't really have any plans on doing it. I'm just sat watching TV. Oh, yeah. um, and he was very much like, I think he was being threatened by other prisoners. So he was an openly gay traveller. Right. And the other travellers, travellers often, like, look after each other in the prison system, where he's openly gay. A lot of them didn't take too kindly to it. Um, and he was sort of picked on a lot. I think he was heavily reliant on drugs. Uh, so it just made him paranoid. And he just was obsessed with the idea we were going to go in his cell and kill him. And I said, mate, I don't even have keys on me. Like, I'm here. <laughs> I'm here on my own. I'm on nights. Like, I, I couldn't come in your cell even if I wanted to. And I wouldn't want to. And he just wouldn't take no for an answer. I had 17 cell bells in like 20 minutes oh. or something like that. And yeah. I was just like walking up to it, just pressing it. And I kept saying, it's not an emergency, mate. So please stop pressing your cell bell. He wouldn't stop pressing it. Is it a really like loud noise? I'm visualizing yeah, your cell so bells. You're, you're, you're on nights, you're groggy, you're sat on a computer, like reading a book, something like that. And it's just like like a buzzing sound, mm. or like a beeping. Right. Um. So then like you instantly, you're like startled. You're like, right, go answer it. I'd shoot up, answer it straight away. Um. And eventually he just said to me, he was like, promise me, no officers are going to come in my cell and kill me tonight. And I thought to myself, well, no one is. So realistically, I can promise him this. Like they say, <laughs> never promise a prisoner anything. But I thought to myself, well, the chances of an officer just going psycho tonight, opening his cell door and murdering this geezer. Very slim. Yeah, probably about 0.01%. <laughs> unless he carries on on his cell bells. <laughs> so uh, I thought to myself, I said to him, I said, mate, you have my word me or no one else is coming into your cell and killing you tonight. Not a cell bell for the rest of the night. Nice. The early start comes in and uh, relieves me. He said, oh, how's he been? I said, you know, loud at the start of the night, but then he calmed right down. I came in that night again, the same, the early start was there on the late as well. Sometimes you'd work like a 14 hour shift. And he said, guess how many cell bells I had in my first half an hour of my shift this morning. I said, how many? He was about 36, something like that. He counted them. And he said he was just so paranoid and stuff. So maybe I did more harm than good on that one. But, you know, I kept true to my word. you that noise in your sleep still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. more the alarm noise. So when mm. an alarm goes off, you're wearing like an earpiece. It goes through your ear. And I would dream about that when I still work there. The alarm would just ring in my ear. Oh. What kind yeah. of things made the alarm go off? Prisoners fighting, uh, a restraint. Um, sometimes on a cell search, if they found something, they press the alarm just to preempt that something was going to happen. Sometimes the prisoner used it as like a doorbell. So sometimes they'd be like waiting to get on a wing or like they'd be on the end of like their like 
section of the wing waiting to get off and just pressed the the alarm to get officers attention because they knew officers would go running mm-hmm. uh, so that would happen a lot um but yeah it rings through your ear like you still hear it when you're sleeping and stuff now i've pretty much forgotten what it sounded like luckily now yeah just about just about yeah yeah. So you've got a prisoner running into his door and screaming at 4am, so threatening to kill you? His next door neighbour. So the paranoid <laughs> prisoner's next door neighbour. So he was doing it and the guy thought that the banging was us trying to like open his door. Um, so this guy was running into his door, full pelt for no reason whatsoever. Just completely running into his door, screaming like absolutely nothing like when i shine the torch to count him in the morning he'd tell me my mum's a slut and like <laughs> he's gonna kill her and stuff like that oh. wow yeah he was like um i think he was like ecuadorian or something like that from that part of the world didn't really speak english very well but it seemed the only english he knew were just insults uh shine the light in he'd go your mother's a fucking slut i'm gonna kill her you watch you'll go home she'll be dead and stuff like that what was he in for i'm gonna kill you i think a really petty crime just something ridiculous i think it was like drugs i think he was smuggling drugs something like that but he was clearly just crazy um so yeah they they were setting each other off Mm. so he was woken up by the guy keep ringing his bell and stuff so he was then running into his door to annoy him and banging on the walls and telling him to shut up he then thought that was us banging on his door to try and open it which it wasn't so then they were just setting each other off and it was just like a vicious oh. triangle that whole week of nights yeah see so like the night shift yeah but there was a there was a rumor around about the same prisoner the ecuadorian guy um <laughs> so it is just a rumor i would just like to say it is just a rumor it was just chinese whispers um but there was a rumor an officer went in his cell to like check the fabric of the cell which you do daily um and saw prisoners of his nan on the prisoner's wall and he said, like, how do you know this woman? His, his nan's, like, happily so married. seen pictures of his nan. Of his own nan, like, the officer's nan, on his, <laughs> on his pinboard, on his wall. What? And uh, he said, how do you know this woman? He didn't say it was my nan or anything. Um, but obviously, he just knows his nan is, like, happily married to his granddad or whatever. And um, he's like, oh, that's my mistress. What? He's like, yeah, he's like, that's my, uh, that's, like, not my wife. She's, like, the bit on the side sort of thing. So then the officer had to move to a different wing because the prisoner was, you know, sleeping with the officer's nan. Yeah, I, to this day, I don't think it was true because there was a lot of rumours that went round that prison that just definitely were not true. But that one stuck with me. That one stuck with me. Just like, oh, this officer's with this person, this officer's with this person, like stuff like that. Usually rumours about officers. Then if there was an officer they didn't like, there'd be a rumour like, oh, he's corrupt, she's corrupt, something like that. All officers talk about everything, but this one particularly was just like, it just stuck with me because I found it hilarious when I found out. Have you heard about officers sleeping with inmates? Any cases like that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah? It happens, yeah, yeah. It's inevitable it's going to happen really because, you know, humans attract, like whether they're a prisoner or not, if they're a good looking bloke, they're a good looking bloke. But some officers just clearly can't like differentiate a prisoner from a non-prisoner and they end up sleeping with them and uh, getting done for it. So that mostly oh, yeah. on the women's side then as opposed to men on men? I think it's usually, I can't speak for male officers in a female prison. I haven't worked in one, but it's usually female officers, male prisoner. From what oh, I female see, officers, male, male prisoner. prisoner. Yeah. Yeah. From, what, from, yeah. what I, from what I saw, yeah. 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 From what you saw? Well, there was two officers whilst they were there that were caught 
Of course. Yeah, well, not caught red-handed, but it, it was sort of a known thing that they were up to that, yeah. But they get snitched wow. out because people get jealous and shit. Well, as soon as that sort of situation ship, whatever you can call it, as soon as that <laughs> ends, like the prisoner's not, like if it ends badly, if the female officer says, oh, I can't do this anymore, the prisoner's not going to take that. So it just it starts can, it. Yeah, leak the information, mm. tell other prisoners, and then other prisoners end up telling officers or whatever. Why would you bother then if that's... I saw it happen mm. myself, but then other prisoners got jealous and they think yeah. if, we can, if we can get rid of him. The ugly prisoners. Maybe, yeah, maybe. <laughs> if, if they snitch him out and get rid of him, yeah. then they've got a chance. Yeah, yeah. Did you see that? Oh, yeah. Yes, oh, really? all kinds. And the amount all of kinds. testosterone, you think the amount of testosterone going around male prisons, they're going to try it and they, of course, yeah. they're going to try it. Yeah. I can't believe it. What happened was um, my cellmate, Joey Crack, he had a mate called Kyle. Yeah. And Kyle said this female guard, like, um she kind of like came on to him and he, he like tested it out a bit he tested it out a bit and i think he wrote her a poem or something and all this stuff and anyway in the end it ended up right I, I'm, I'm listening to joey crack tell me i sound like you're full of it joey and, he, crack. and he goes well tonight when everyone's asleep he, he jumps on the toilet and does a naked dance for her and she watches <laughs> she watches from the fishbowl yeah. So tonight, get up at like such and such a time and look out your cell and you'll see her looking at him doing his naked dance. What's the fishbowl? All right, so where I was at in medium security towers jail in yeah. Arizona. So you got a, a f the originally 15 man pods, four of them separated by corridors, but they got 45 men in each. Oh, wow. Yeah, so there's almost 200 men in, in the tower. And in the middle of the tower yeah. is a spiral staircase yeah up to a giant bubble a plexiglass bubble oh okay which the guards are in and with a little control panel mm. so they've got this plexiglass bubble and they're looking down on all four of those but you can only yeah. two two guys looking at yeah. 200 ga men so you got the you know the, the people who sweep in the hard. corridors and shit are passing yeah, the drugs that's and, hard that's hard yeah, yeah. it's yeah. hard enough on like a wing of like 60 let alone 200 yeah yeah, yeah. not nice but she got moved, he got moved. Um, and yeah, <laughs> Would she not, she not lose her job? No, what they'd usually do is to avoid scandal, they just move them. Because there was a, later on, there was another guy and he'd read The Art of Seduction by Robert Greene. Yeah. Isn't it banned? And he, yeah, but they, they sneak him in. Yeah. He, um, he was seducing staff members everywhere he went really? and they kept moving him from prison That's to prison. That's a powerful book. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think it's because of him they banned it. That's crazy. Everywhere he went, he would, he would seduce oh, a staff member. Have you seen it? No. It's no. a brilliant book. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you haven't seen, we had Robert Greene on a podcast recently, two hour long. Check that one out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Books there. So it's, yeah, mo it's, mo it's mostly uh, women guards then with male prisoners. And then did those male prisoners try and get them to smuggle stuff in? Um, it would lead to that a yeah. lot of the yeah. time. Yeah, once they've gotten, yeah, you, then you can do whatever. Just on this art of seduction, quick. How? What? Like, so how would a prisoner go about seducing a female guard? Because to me, like, <sighs> if if you don't want it, you don't want it. Like, it's, you're so you've got to play off. this little game. This is what it teaches you in there. Yeah, and you set things in place, and then like right. ignore them and do do all sorts of oh. stuff like that. So yeah, like, it's quite technical. For instance, one of the things like male prisoners used to do that i heard about was they would like so they'd get someone to kick off right and then they would say to the guy like oh leave her alone she's all right 
or something like that mm, and then the female officer would see that and be mm. like oh thank you like that's that's nice you've saved me a trick there and then they'd like keep doing it keep being friendly yeah compliment, compliment. Yeah, yeah compliment them build them up and then yeah yeah so i suppose it does happen yeah it's crazy how it happens though isn't it so, yeah. yeah and i think i don't know what the female guards look like in the uk yeah but there was some pretty tough um Perhaps they wouldn't have got the male attention they would have got yeah. prior to. I su yeah, yeah, I suppose yeah, the same yeah. thing in in UK prisons. Yeah, mm, like mm. the attention. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. So, what other notorious prisoners have you met, serial killers? Um, I've met some terrorists. <laughs> what are uh, they like? Uh, very quiet. You have to be very careful. You never really know what they're thinking. They spend a lot of time on their own. Uh, were they very intelligent yeah yeah i yeah. met some i met someone they were the most like quiet but when you got talking to them extremely well educated there was mm. someone who was arrested for like a bomb plot over the atlantic mm. and he was always reading mm -hmm. every time i saw him he was reading just taking in as much information as possible i think that was like the biggest foil terrorist attack ever mm. like if that terrorist attack would have gone ahead like more people than 9-11 would have died sort of thing really? wow. yeah like it's wow. the biggest forward terrorist attack ever like i think it was like four separate suicide bombers were going on big transatlantic jets mm. and they were gonna either hijack them or just blow them up over the atlantic ocean <sighs> yeah. yeah which is just nuts when you think about it like the amount of innocent people that would have died just going on holiday etc mm. yeah. yeah the amount of people that probably would have been on those planes like everyone probably would have known someone that was on one mm. of those flights sort of thing like mm. distant relatives whatever like, yeah wow sort mm. of like how in america sort of everyone sort of knows someone who was affected by 9-11 i guess this sort of would have been like the uk version of that how long ago was this i think early 2000s so oh, just wow. sort of after 9-11 happened i guess there was a lot of sort of like securities yeah yeah, yeah. what sentence did that person get Life, life, they won't get out. So does life mean natural life in the UK or does it mean you get to parole after you, so many years? You've got years? life with the opportunity for parole mm. and then I think it, I, I might be wrong, but I think it goes up from 15 years. You can get life minimum 15 years, life minimum 20, life minimum 30, etc. Then you've got life without the opportunity of parole that doesn't happen much anymore. I think the most recent one that happened with that was that guy, um, a Met Police Officer. That, uh, kidnapped and killed that woman i think he oh, got uh, life with, cousins. yeah he got yeah. life without without the opportunity up for parole i good. think good i think yeah and like the likes of like ian huntley people like that mm. they they won't see the light of day again i don't think i don't think they mm, have the opportunity they? well exactly yeah. yeah i don't i think some people though it's life 15 years life 20 years yeah mm. ipp as well ipp mm. a lot of prisoners say ipp is worse than life I don't know why. I think it's more because the parole board can just keep you in forever if they want. Yeah. And it's not, it's not necessarily a different person every time who's going to hear you out. Sometimes it's just the same same group as last time who don't mm. care and just think you haven't reformed or whatever. Just won't sign it off. Wow. Yeah. We've also got a story about being locked in the prison, not being allowed to leave. So, yeah, that ties into the whole boxing uh, story, okay. basically. So before I transferred to my second prison, I'd basically started doing like charity training for a boxing match. And um, I was going through this training. I thought I start at this prison in three months. 
I'm just going to email them now, call them whatever, just to let them know I need this time off. And it's like pre-agreed with this prison. So I emailed them. I said, I need this day off, please. I've got a charity event. Um, like, can I please do it? They emailed back. They said, we don't have that day off. So I argued that it was pre-booked, so I should be able to have it. Um, which someone who was like a member of the prison officer association, he said they can't deny that. Um, so I said, it's pre-booked, you need to give me it. They said, um, because you're not new to the prison service, you're just transferring in your pre-booked holiday doesn't necessarily slide with us. You don't have to, it doesn't have to be carried over, something like that. So they said I couldn't have it off basically. So I emailed back, I said, either way, I'm having the time off, like thousands of pounds been raised for charity. Like the event's going ahead. I'm not dropping out of the event, no matter what. So they knew it was coming. They <laughs> like they, they knew it was coming up. Um, so I had the fight, did the boxing match. I, they rung me on the day. They said, where are you? I said, check your emails. Um, so they probably had to sieve through emails for about three months ago. Um, I came in. They said, they handed me a letter on the letter. It said they were taking full disciplinary action against me. Um, that might end up with me losing my job. This was the reason I ended up leaving the prison service. Um, so I thought to myself, well, I'm coming in every day. I'm doing 14 hours a day for you some days. You're not letting me have one day off. And because I take that day off, you're treating me like this. Mm. Like I had the days leading up to the fight. I went into work, worked 14 hour shifts on the week of my fight. And they just wouldn't let me have the one day off. Uh, gave me this letter. I read it. I threw it in a bin. I thought, bullshit like that's that's a joke and in my head the seed was already planted then i'm gonna leave i can't work for like a company like this or like an association like this whatever um so it was already in my head that i was gonna leave um i came in i had a bit of a barney with uh one of the managers about it um i said i thought it was a joke they didn't give me the time off um and basically long story short so we'll go back to the fight and then we'll come back to this part so the fight happened um, I sort of lost sight of what the boxing match was really for. So it was all for charity. We raised a lot of money, um, but all I wanted was to win. The guy's coming up to my fans before the fight starts. He's giving it all this, like flipping off my fans and stuff like that. I didn't take too kindly to that. So I thought I'm winning this like by any means necessary. He comes out, he's going for it straight away, trying to like go for me, like proper intense. Um, I get one shot landed on him in the first 20 seconds that just pops his nose um, and he's like squirting with blood. Every time I punch him, there's blood going on all over my fans. Like at the end of the fight, I went out into the crowd. My friend had like a shirt full of blood and he was like, you owe me a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> um, but basically I've really lost sight of what it's from. I do regret what I did in terms of how I acted during the fight. Um, but basically I put my hands behind my back, stuck the tongue out and basically was acting like I was Conor McGregor and Tyson Fury's love child. I was doing like the <laughs> Conor McGregor walk in the, in the ring and stuff. Mm. Um, second round, I came out, I couldn't feel my arms, I couldn't feel my legs. So I was basically like a human punch bag for the second round. But I'd say it was still quite a close round. He probably just edged it. Um, in the third round, I destroyed him again. Uh, but the referee came up to me at the end of the first round and he proper got in my face and he said that I was like a disgrace to boxing and etc. And I'm not a professional. I shouldn't act like a professional. Just looking back on, yeah, I shouldn't have acted that way, but I did. So it's in the past now. Um, but yeah, the ref didn't take too kindly to me, basically gave the guy the decision. Um, a few people from work came to watch that. And then obviously it got back to the managers at work that I'd done this fight and I'd lost. So I came in and the manager, my manager said to me, 
she was like, well, was it all worth it? You know, you did this fight and you got battered. And I was like, you fucking what? <laughs> like, <laughs> you what, bitch? <laughs> Are you serious? Um, and I was like, may I remind you that this was all for charity and like the whole event in general raised like £4,000 and it was spread across like three different charities or something like that. And I said, and all you care about is the fact that I lost the fighters. It shouldn't matter. What should matter is like everyone on that card did a good deed sort of thing, including my opponent. Um, but yeah, she basically was being really like uh, passive aggressive about it, patronizing. Um, and the seed was planted in my head from that point. I'm going to leave. Um, as soon as that happened with her, I went to like the main office. I said, I'm leaving. I'm not coming back. Um they so I'd already had this planned. I'd already applied for a new job, gone to the job interview, got the job. Um, so I knew I was leaving. I said, I'm not coming back. I don't plan on giving any notice. Um, you've treated me like this, so I don't see why I should treat you fairly. You haven't treated me fairly. They wouldn't let me leave. And they were just obsessed with the fact that I had to give a proper reason for leaving. And I said, well, I have just given a proper reason for leaving. I'm not happy with the way you've treated me. Um and then basically I went down to like the front gate and the gate wouldn't open. Mm. Like I can't really go too much into like the security of the gates, but I couldn't get through the gate basically. Right. Um, and then two managers came down. They said, before you leave, we need to have a meeting with you to discuss why you've left, etc." I said, no, just let me go. And I was at the point now where I was having a panic attack. Like, I, like my heart was like beating out of my chest. I couldn't breathe properly. Like all I wanted to do was sit down. There was no chairs. I couldn't get through the gate. I was saying, please just let me leave. Please just let me leave quite like hysterically. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. I wouldn't let me leave. They sat me down in this room, uh, closed the door behind them, were just interrogating me about why I needed to leave. They said, do we need to search your bag? Like, is something going on like that? I said, no. I said, if you want to know why I'm leaving, read the fucking letter you've given me and you'll find out. Like, it, it's it's quite simple. You've done this. I don't like the way you've treated me. I'm leaving. But they were obsessed with it. They wouldn't let me leave for half hour, 45 minutes. I got out, got in my car, uh, called my girlfriend. I said, I'm never going back to no. the prison service again. And from that day, I never went back and never really looked back either. I fought a couple of times. Like, I wish I sort of would have given my notice and worked it out and like sort of ended on good terms sort of thing. It was like a breakup for me, really, the way I thought about it afterwards. But now looking back on it, I'm happy with what I did. I'm in a much better place now because that the way that match, the boxing match, messed with my head afterwards, I would have much rather have been my opponent who's just been battered and like his nose busted in front of all of his friends and family. Everyone in the whole crowd thought he had lost, but he had his hand raised by the referee. All I cared about was 
having my hand raised. So, um, yeah, I would have taken being him over being me like every I mean, single day of the week. Um, so it really messed with my brain for a long time afterwards. I stopped training, stopped eating well, ballooned up like a stone and a half after that in the space of like a month and a half. So put on a stone and a half in a month and a half. Literally just... Impressive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> could be a competitive eater. <laughs> Literally like takeaways, everything, anything I could get my hands on. I just didn't want to train, didn't want to eat. Went into a bit of a depression, especially with what happened, um, like with the prison service, stuff like that. But now, now sort of on the up and up. Good. Yeah. That's what I like to hear. Plan it. I don't deal well, well with winter anyway. And this was sort of like right near winter. I have that vitamin D thing. You should get a sad lamp. I've got one. Yeah, in, yeah. In I've, I've heard about these. Yeah, so I'm, I might get one. Um, but yeah, I don't deal well with the winter anyway. So it all fell at the wrong time. Slipped into a bit of a spiral for a couple of months. So this is last year? Yeah, they, yeah. Well, last year and then early sort of like January even still, I was still a bit like sort of down in the dumps. But now I'm thinking about training again, having another fight. But actually this time, recognising it's for charity, like win, lose or draw. Doesn't matter. Who cares? I'm yeah. raising money. I'm raising money for a good cause. Definitely. Sort of thing. Yeah. So yeah, and I'll probably will record it and put it on my YouTube channel as well. I've already had the idea. Uh, it's called like White Collar Diaries. That's uh, That'll be it. And I'll record the fight, put it on there and everything like that. Oh, wicked. What yeah. do you miss about prison? Um, You do make the relationships you make with your colleagues is like no other. But the thing is, the ones I still want to talk to, I still talk to. So I miss them on a day-to-day -day basis. But at the same time, some of them I still talk to every day. But the rapport you get with them when you're working on the wings of them every day is, you know, that's tight. Like nothing else. Yeah. Mm. You mentioned about like still hearing the alarm and stuff when you. Yeah. Finished. Were there any other habits that you took forward into your life that you had to shake off? Uh, sitting in the corner of a room so I could see everything. Like mm. right now, I'm all right. <laughs> like, <laughs> if I was sat in one of those chairs over there, like. What, so if you go to a restaurant, you've got to sit in the corner. I, I'm, I'm getting better with it now. And I yeah. sort of recognise the fact that I don't need to see what's going on around me at all times. But in general, I'm just a bit of a nosy person anyway. So I like to see what's going on. Yeah. But yeah, for a long time, I'd always sit in the corner. And the thing is, my girlfriend likes to sit in the corner as well. So every time we go out <laughs> to a restaurant, we'd argue over the seat. And we're like, no, I want to sit in the corner. She'd always went, I'd, I'd always to end up taking the chair and just like, yeah are you more at ease with your back against the wall and if you go to a restaurant or a pub or something yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i like to see like that. everything mm -hmm. everything that's going on in the room yeah yeah, yeah. i just like people watching yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> I, I do as well like I, I remember when i was younger like me and my mate used to do this weird thing we would just go to the local shopping center we'd just stand on like the third balcony and just watch everyone and uh, judge them who's on their first date yeah yeah, yeah yeah proper weird but it's just a thing that we enjoyed i've always liked people watching yeah, yeah. Everyone's different. Were the useful things that you learned from prison that have helped you in life? It's matured. It's matured me a lot. Like when you're 19 and you get a job as a prison officer, you come out at 22. You look like you've aged 10 years, and you, like you feel <laughs> you like don't. you feel. Oh, I always get now when people. I'd say like people always ask me how old I am. I'm like guess. They're like uh, I'd say around like 27, 28. I'm like yeah, that's the prison service. But <laughs> when I was 19, I looked 19. Like yeah beard came on gray hairs like yeah wow yeah crazy but yeah i, I feel i feel a lot better now now Good. i'm out of it um it's not not a thing that i regret doing by any means um got nothing against the service like when i look back at all the stuff that happened now like in terms of how i left on bad terms they did what they had to do or felt like they had to do 
a lot of prison officers would leave and then try to take legal action for something like that or whatever. I don't care. It happened. It is what it is. Move on. Move on with my life. Start something new sort of thing. Yeah. What's your parents' attitude been towards all this? Uh, my dad just loves the stories. Uh, <laughs> he, he literally like... Every time I come home, he'd just be like, oh, what happened today? And I don't, I didn't really want to talk about it. So like, I'll just like be very vague and just say, oh, nothing really happened. No, nothing really kicked Toilet off. Brush up your ass. Yeah, he'll, he'll watch this yeah. and he'll be like, oh my God. Like, he, he, Shout he out like, Scott Stats. <laughs> yeah. Have you enjoyed these stories? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he'll love it. Um, my mum, she always did used to say she was worried, um, but she deals with it or mm. dealt, dealt with it sort of thing. She's always been like that anyway. She always wants to know where where everyone is when you've got like a lot of kids i think you know it's sort of like a a wolf pack sort of thing she she wants to know where everyone is sort of thing at any given time yeah so did you have a plan for when you finished in the prison service or are you just shooting from the hip shooting from the hip yeah i'm i'm 22 do you know what i mean mm. when i when i was in the prison service i i was very good at having like existential crisis and i would be like i'm fucking old they're like, they're like, they're, there's no going back now like like a few months ago me and my mates went to a club mm. and it was the first time we've been to a club before like since covid and before when we used to go to clubs like before covid we were the youngest people in the room i shit you not i was the oldest person in that room mm. or at least looked the oldest and i had an existential crisis about it i was like oh my god i'm getting older there's no turning back i'm the only way is death now. <laughs> but, but, but now that's completely fixed. I've realised I'm like I'm 22. I've got my whole life ahead of Mate, me. Wait till yeah. 30. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm dreading. It. I'll, I'll do whatever comes my way. I literally. I, I think now I have the attitude. There is no job that I wouldn't consider doing. What is it you do now? So I'm a delivery driver now. Okay. Oh, yeah. Just do it for fun. Pretty much. It is the easiest job I've ever had in the world. It was anyone out there who's like struggling with their career and just wants to sort of press the reset button just become a delivery driver amazon yeah amazon supermarket deliver for a supermarket easy a card day so yeah yeah <laughs> other supermarkets are available <laughs> yeah. uh, a higher end supermarket sort of middle of the pack not Tesco, not Asda, you know. Waitrose. Yeah, sort of. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just keep guessing. No, um, yeah, no, I, yeah, I I deliver for a supermarket. I'm happy sort of my main focus in life now is when I was unhappy in the prison service and after my boxing match, stuff like that, I'd have a lot of chats like with my girlfriend because I've always been, when I've struggled with mental health problems, I always am quite open about it. I do talk mm. um, because it's sort of, I think younger people now, especially it's sort of drilled into you, talk, 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 whereas the older generation is quite the opposite and you're just told to bottle it in. like Not healthy. Men don't cry, etc. But me and my mates will talk about our mental health all the time, check up on each other me and my girlfriend as well and she just said what's your goal in life and i just said to just to be happy yeah so that is my goal now do anything be happy make my little videos when i go to the football um the one thing we kept going back to that i was at my happiest when i was playing or watching football <laughs> so now i play football as much as i can watch football as much as i can yeah my only goal now is to be happy uh it's a long road but the thing is i think with the exercise and stuff that will help the fact that i stopped exercising that sent me into a bit of a hole but if I get back in the gym and stuff, I'll be fine. Get hit, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was the motivation behind your YouTube channel? So I grew up on YouTube. I'm very much of the YouTube generation. Mm. So I was around like 13 when like sort of like people like, I don't know if you had a KSI, like yeah, the Sidemen, yeah, people like that. Side when, when they were coming up, I was 
at the age where I was watching that content. Mm. Um, even like yourself, you've been, I found you from the True Geordie podcast mm -hmm. and Jack Mates Happy Hour. So I listen to them <laughs> every single week. Uh, I think you went on True Geordie and I followed your channel from there. Mm, and I started listening you. to your podcast as well. Wow. And then like a year later, I think you were on Jack. Jack makes happy hour that's when I, li mm. I listened to that one as well it was pretty much the same story but I just I found it so fascinating I listened again <laughs> um, yeah people like that I sort of grew up on mm. and uh, you know most of them are just normal people who just thought to themselves Le let me just do it mm. I might never make a living off YouTube I might just get like 10 views for the rest of my life but the thing is one of the things that sort of made me happiest when I uploaded my first video is my mum and dad watched it and they found it hilarious and they were sending me messages and stuff like oh this is really funny like i found that there was a football fan kicking off and i filmed it basically and was laughing at him in the video it's quite funny to watch and uh yeah all my mates were laughing so i got a bit of a kick out of that just knowing like i've sort of created something that other people enjoy so the editing i'm absolutely terrible <laughs> that's a uh yeah that's a long road <laughs> speak to james yeah yeah james yeah, yeah i'll speak tips. i'll speak to james yeah you're less than adobe yeah. yeah yeah well to start with i tried to use um adobe premiere pro mm. i brought that and i was like oh my god this is ridiculous like me and my brother just filmed my little brother we just filmed the video like doing like funny like viral tiktok challenges because we thought our mates would find it funny it's a really funny video, but I just never managed to edit it down. Um, with my football videos, the way I edit them is I just film little clips and I just sort of push them all together and uh, it sort of looks like it makes sense. Mm. But with the big long video, I couldn't cut certain bits out and stuff like that. I couldn't figure out how to do it. I just got frustrated. I thought, fuck it, I'm not doing it. So literally now I just edit mine on iMovie. I just put all the videos on iMovie. I like make the transition as little as possible. It's just like clip to clip to clip, but it's funny. It makes my friends laugh. It makes me laugh when I watch them back. I've watched the, uh, the Arsenal video. We went to watch Burnley versus Arsenal. I've watched that back about 20 times. So I think it's got nearly 500 views on it. At least 20 of them are me just because I find it. I, I sort of, I'm one of those people I like looking back at like fond memories and stuff like that in video form. So yeah, it was What's the channel called? Fun. It's called Scott Does Sport. So Scott capital, does sport. Yeah, capital S, capital D, capital S again. Um, when I first started, it was called Foot Vlogger, but I've got a massive interest in boxing. I want to start doing boxing videos as well. Next week, I'm doing a video with a strongman. Um, so I'm very much not a weightlifter, <laughs> never have been. I've probably got the build where I could get into that, but he's like triple the Huge. size of me. Like he's yeah. massive. Uh, I already knew him before. So I'm doing a video with him next week where he puts me through my pace for the day. I'm eating like him, training like him. I think it's like 10,000 calories or something like that. Wow. And like a three hour training session. So that'll probably be the first training session I've done in nearly like a year. And uh, I'm going straight into it like that. Back in. Uh, so yeah, and I've got a plan in a few weeks. I'm like eating and tr I want to eat and train like different people. So I'll do like a Cristiano Ronaldo one. That's happening in a few weeks. That'll be fun. Um, I want to do like an Eddie Hall at some point as well. Mm. Eat, yeah. like, eat and he train. He was on like, True Geordie, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, I love Eddie Hall. Growing up, like Eddie Hall was one of my heroes. Like me and my brother, we would just sit and watch like World's Strongest Man competitions and stuff. And we'd just be like, he's a unit. Like I remember literally watching the video of him like deadlifting. I think it was 400 kg or 500 kg. Mm. I'm not exactly sure which one it was. I was literally screaming at the TV, like, like screaming for him. So yeah, big fan of Eddie Hall. 
big fan of YouTube and stuff like that. So I just thought I might as well just do it because you never know sort of thing. You never know. Some people might like it. I might get, say, like if every video did as well as that Arsenal video, 500 views, I'd, I'd post that for life. Uh, <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be happy with that, honestly. Like I might never make money from it whatsoever, but the buzz I got after posting that was unlike anything I've done before. Is that what got you into it? The buzz? The buzz of all of this, yeah, still. Yeah, it's great. It's just posting content that other people enjoy. Exactly. Like the fact that got 500 views, it got 3,000 views on TikTok, mm. as it did better on TikTok, the little clip of him mm. kicking off, 500 views on YouTube. And just to think, like, out of 3,000 of those people, probably maybe 30 is family and friends. So there's like 2,970 people watching that video and enjoying it. Because it got quite good engagement as well. It got like 3,000 views, but also like nearly 1,000 likes. Yeah. So it's quite good engagement as well. So yeah, I was I was buzzing off that. I was, I was telling everyone who would listen for days. <laughs> I remember when I first got 1,000 views on a video, I was thinking... If I was at a public speaking event and there was a thousand people watching me, yeah, this yeah. Is, yeah, yeah it's so crazy. Excited, yeah? I, well, yeah. I was with my girlfriend when I posted the TikTok, and we were just watching the numbers go up. And I remember I was at work, and um, when it hit a thousand views, and I rung her and I was like, "It's, it's hit a thousand views. It's gonna, it's gonna hit a thousand <laughs> yeah. views." I just went on it, watched it tick over like nine ninety nine a thousand. Yeah, it's buzzing. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, the plan is go to a lot of football. Hopefully go to some boxing events. I tried to get tickets for next weekend. Um, there's a guy called Johnny Fisher, fine, massive bo- mm. fan of him. He's fighting at the Alley Pally. I tried to get tickets for that, but I'm working that day, so I can't mm. go. But yeah, so uh, get tickets to the boxing, get tickets to football and just film it from my perspective. And get it on it, YouTube. Enjoy it. Yeah, mm. yeah. Brilliant. It's interesting you mentioned KSI as well because I've been looking at his history recently. Yeah. And the Sidemen. Yeah. So they were like YouTubers who collaborated and helped each other grow uh, yeah. which is the opposite of what we've got in the UK yeah. true crime right now that everyone's yeah. fighting everyone yeah. well I watched it happen really yeah. because I followed say I'm not going to say I followed all of them because some of them when the Cybermen were created they were still tiny mm-hmm. but like KSI who's like the most popular one he's branched off into music stuff like that Vic Star um, and like a couple of the others I was watching before the Cybermen I sort of watched them come together as mm. this group and form and like grow in front of my many eyes like like my little brother more so than me he's like a cult fan of the sidemen mm. like he literally is obsessed with them like for me like meeting celebrities and stuff is crazy but to meet one of them would just be a different <laughs> level it, it would be different level. even i was a bit i'm not gonna lie i was a bit starstruck when you walk in earlier Sean. Oh. <laughs> i've watched you for a year i was like oh my god he, he, ex- he exists i remember because i'm in such a bad sleeping pattern at the moment because mm. I, I only work late shifts oh. the other day when you rung me i'd only been awake for five minutes so i woke up i got this call from sean atwood so first thing i did was ring my girlfriend i was like oh my god sean atwood's just called me well it's actually a, a, a real thing in that's the morning happening. No, it was, was uh, my say, sleeping patterns. Like no, my sleeping 11. patterns awful. So yeah, right now I don't start work till about four o'clock, um, and finish about eleven twelve. But then I've got into the habit where I'll come home, I'll play FIFA with my mates until like three o'clock in the morning. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I'll be drinking coffee at work and stuff. So yeah, I don't mind my sleeping pattern like that, but I want to sort of change it by a couple of hours so I've got time to wake up, go to the gym, do something yeah. productive before I go to work. Tell you what, Scott, you're one of our youngest guests. But you're such a natural, endearing speaker. Oh, thank you very much. I reckon the people watching this, there's just going to be nothing but love and support that comes in for you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I I hope so. We'll we'll have all your links in the description box. Yeah. Just want to remind Mm -hmm. them again what platforms you're on. Um, So I'm on Instagram, 
Um, that's just my name at the moment. By the time the podcast comes out, I probably would have changed that. So mm. you can yeah. just post a link in the description. My Instagram will be there and my YouTube will be there. And, YouTube and my TikTok. Well. TikTok. And TikTok. TikTok. TikTok, yeah. yeah. Got, got to chuck TikTok in there now. That's, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's massive now. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Well, thank you yeah. so has, much. Has anyone else well, got any questions for Scott? No. No. Oh. All good. Thank you so thank much. Thank you for coming on. Um, please let us know in the comments what you thought about today's video and please if you're looking for some organic cotton clothing head over <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll have a look later as well yeah uh, yeah i'll have a look yeah thank you very much as humans we're naturally driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed when i was looking to hire someone it was so slow and overwhelming I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.